This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. President Donald Trump moved closer to locking up the Republican nomination with a double-digit win over Nikki Haley in the South Carolina primary. Trump defeated the former South Carolina governor 60% to 39%. Alexandria Hoff has reaction to the results. President Trump continuing his winning streak Saturday, taking the South Carolina GOP primary by double digits as he cements his status as the party's presumed nominee. An even bigger win than we anticipated. And I was just informed that we got double the number of votes that has ever been received in the great state of South Carolina. So that's pretty good. Trump's team is already looking ahead to the general election and believes that he could have enough delegates to wrap up the nomination in just a little over two weeks. Meanwhile, the Haley campaign looking for a path forward after a stinging defeat in her home state. The former governor is optimistic, but history is not on her side. No candidate has lost the first primary contest by such a wide margin and gone on to win the nomination. Haley staying confident despite the odds. There are huge numbers of voters in our Republican primaries who are saying they want an alternative. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Some Republicans are encouraging Haley to stay in the race regardless of wins or losses, wary of what the former president's political future might hold as he faces multiple criminal indictments. Trump's allies, meanwhile, are brushing off concerns about his electability. I'm not looking at, you know, who can beat Biden. I think Trump can for sure. I'm looking at who can turn the world around, and I think that's Trump better than anybody. Nikki Haley has vowed to stay in the race through Super Tuesday on March 5th. That's when voters go to the polls in more than a dozen states. Four years ago, I told you that if crooked Joe Biden got to the White House, our borders would be abolished, our middle class would be decimated, and our communities would be plagued by bloodshed, chaos, and violent crime. We were right about everything. So believe me when I offer you another warning, and we've been right about so much, just about everything. If crooked Joe Biden and his thugs win in 2024, the worst is yet to come. Our country will go and sink to levels that were unimaginable. And just think about it. With four more years of Biden, the hordes of illegal aliens stampeding across our borders will exceed 40 to 50 million people. Medicare, Social Security, health care, and public education will buckle and collapse. It will collapse as sure as you're sitting or standing there. It will collapse. Our economy will be starved of energy by Crooked Joe's vindictive Green New Scam. It's a Green New Scam. It'll be the destruction of our country. It is indeed a scam, and most of them know it. Some of them, the fools, believe it, but most of them know it. There are uh, at least six U.S. citizens among those being held by Hamas. For you, is the return of living hostages necessary and essential for you to declare victory in this war? Yes, we said, uh, I've said three war goals. The first is to uh, release the hostages. The second is to uh, destroy Hamas. And the third is to in- ensure that uh, Gaza does not pose a threat to Israel uh, in the future. Uh, and obviously, the three are intertwined. They 
They're achieved basically by our very effective and often heroic uh, military operation uh, and also by tough negotiations. Uh, we're combining the two, and I hope uh, it, it, uh, it yields the result. But understand that unless we have total victory, we can't have peace. We can't leave Hamas in place. We can't leave a quarter of Hamas uh, battalions in uh, Rafah and say, well, that's that's fine. They'll be there. It's like saying a quarter of uh, ISIS will be left and uh, uh, with a defined territory because you know they'll reconstitute themselves immediately. So total victory is important to achieve the war goal of destroying Hamas, of releasing the hostages, and uh, ensuring that Gaza doesn't pose a threat. But I think it, it also is essential for any uh, future peaceful Middle East. Jewish ancestral home is there, and the Christian ancestral home is there. Jesus was born there. Jesus was murdered there. The church sepulcher is there. Bethlehem is there. Now majority controlled by the Palestinians. Hebron is there. Where Abraham is buried. The patriarchs. Most of the matriarchs. The Palestinian says, it's all there. That's what River to the Sea means. But I believe in River to the Sea. I believe River in the Sea should have one damn Hamas survivor, period. After long, hard consideration, your mother and I have decided it's time to move on and leave the state of California permanently, and we're going to go to Florida. We're going to sell this house. What? What? Yep. Is this a joke? It's not a joke at all. Full time. No L.A. time. Full time. We already have the place. It's a done deal. Gavin, Gavin, mister, I'm a great governor of the state of California. Gavin, mister, Joe Biden's doing a great job. That's Sylvester Stallone, a.k.a. Rocky. And he out of there. He's leaving Los Angeles and moving to Florida like so many other big-time celebrities have done. You know, my good buddy Scott Bayo left Los Angeles last year, also moved to South Florida. They've had enough. People have had enough. These blue cities... These blue states, run by blue mayors, whether it's Eric Adams here, these blue governors, the inept Kathy Hochul in New York, the every bit is bad Gavin Newsom in California, to, of course, the blue country led by this moron Joe Biden. People have had enough. They're leaving. So sliced alone, leaving Los Angeles after I don't know how many years, 
and moving to Ron DeSantis' estate. I mean, look, DeSantis had a pathetic presidential run. It was pathetic. And you guys know, not to pat myself on the back, but at no point in the last seven months, and both you guys could attest to this, Noel and Lou, you hate giving me credit, but the truth is the truth. At no point in the last seven months did I give any credence, any, to either DeSantis or Haley, fat, stupid Chris Christie, any one of these people giving Trump a race. None. At no point did I think it was going to be close. For months, I had people yelling at me, Carol Markowitz down in Boca, Bo Deedle and Peter King here. These are just a few examples. Old couple on the ferry, old Jewish couple from Cedarhurst telling me, Nikki Haley can beat Joe Biden. Who cares? How many times have I said in the last seven months, what good is it if you can beat the Super Bowl team if you don't win the championship game? And in this In that analogy, the championship game is the primary. And Nikki Haley is getting embarrassed. Saturday, another example of that. Have I remained very steadfast for the better part of seven, eight months, Noam, that there should never be a competition and there is no other choice than Donald J. Trump? You are the Nostradamus of politics, and that's what you've said, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm that. I'm not even sure I'm alone in that prediction, but you have to admit... I did receive some incoming on this show from a bunch of people, and uh, I never backed down, did I? You did not, no. No. And uh, he murdered her on Saturday, 60 to 39 in her own state, and uh, she ain't quitting. The next big primary comes your way tomorrow. It'll be Michigan, and he's going to kill her there, too. I mean, again, I keep telling you, folks, I've seen the numbers already for Super Tuesday. That's March the 5th. There's 15 states in play on Super Tuesday, March the 5th. It's a big day. It's a week before I go down to Mar-a-Lago myself. And in about five of those states, Trump is polling about 70%. Listen to me carefully, folks. 70. North Carolina, Tennessee, a bunch of others. She may very well be in the single digits in a couple of these states. I mean, she's not losing. She's getting embarrassed. Embarrassed. And yet... After getting clobbered in her own home state Saturday night, Nikki Haley remained defiant and said, and I quote, I'm not going anywhere. Why, Noam? Why? Well, the money keeps coming in, and a lot of it Democratic money, by the way, I'll point out. And if you talk to insiders, this is their thought. They think there's a shot that Trump might cave under the weight of all of his he may lawsuits. Implode, right. Yeah. He may so implode. they say yeah. if she hangs on, then you know maybe she then becomes the nominee. Well, she would be the nominee. There's nobody else. So yes, if she's holding on, which she is doing, you're 100% right, waiting and hoping that Donald Trump implodes or who knows what, goes to I don't know what she's waiting for, then yes, she would uh, then get the gig. To me, that's uh, gross. Anyway, here she is, Nikki Haley, in her home state of South Carolina on Saturday night after another embarrassing defeat. Lou Rufino, cut number seven. There are huge numbers of voters in our Republican primaries who are saying they want an alternative. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Okay, so here's Trump, and he talked about just uh, how much of a thumping he delivered. One thing about Trump, if you've really been paying attention, which I do, of course, is he very rarely mentions Nikki at this point, almost never. 
He has set his sights, as he should, on the general election coming up in November against the incumbent Joe Biden. It's almost as if Nikki Haley doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, her. I just killed her. This is uh, Donald Trump, number four, talking about a unified Republican Party. But now there's a spirit that I have never seen. We ran two great races, but there's never been, ever... There's never been a spirit like this, and I just want to say that I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now. Never been like this. And with that comes breaking news about the Republican Party this morning. You may remember last week I had Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, on the show, and we talked aloud about the possibility or probability of her being the next RNC co-chair, Watley and Trump. Lara Trump, well, it does uh, turn out that it is breaking as we speak on Fox News that Ronna McDaniel is set to step down as the RNC chairwoman. And as soon as she does that, that does pave the way for Donald's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, to grab a position there. So maybe that unifies the party even more. I think it does. He also goes on to talk about how the double-digit win, the most votes ever in South Carolina for any Republican, Lewis, Donald Trump, cut number five. An even bigger win than we anticipated. And I was just informed that we got double the number of votes that has ever been received in the great state of South Carolina. So... That's pretty good. Well, how about that, Noam? Double the amount of votes ever received. That's huge. Yeah, it is. You know, I got up yesterday and um, I was tired. Saturday night, my uh, I had tickets for the Knicks game, thanks to Pete Morgan. Knicks and Celtics, big, big game. And Boston is really good. I mean, a lot of you don't follow the NBA. That's fine. I don't care. I do because my son loves it. So Boston, their starting five is ridiculous. Holiday, White, Porzingis, the former Nick, who can score from inside, from outside. Jalen Brown, he's unstoppable. And Jason Tatum may be the best player in the game. That's the Celtics starting five. So the Knicks, Saturday night, had three starters out. Center Mitchell Robinson, forward Julius Randle, and the guy they got in the Toronto trade, O.G. Ananobi. They're all out. So, you know, you're not going to beat Boston with three starters out. You're not going to beat Boston, I don't think, when you're healthy either, but you've got a shot at least, you know. So uh, my son Gabriel initially told me on Saturday he wasn't going to the game. And I only got the tickets because he's a diehard Knicks fan, diehard NBA fan. I even reached out to Lou at one point on Saturday and said, you want to come to the Knicks game tonight? And why was that? Without going into specifics, my son had a date on cool. Saturday afternoon. <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, Gabe, if there's if there's one excuse for not coming with Daddy on Saturday night, that's the one I'll accept. But it turns out the date, while it went well, ended early, and he got home in time to get to the garden, get to the game on time. So we uh, we went to the game, and my man Corey Zelnick came up big, gave us the wristbands to go to the club where you eat and drink for free. Corey and his lovely wife Jessica. We saw Bill O'Reilly. He was at the game and some other folks. So we had a a great time on Saturday night, but I woke up Sunday tired, and I decided to just stay in and watch all these Sunday morning shows. So Maria Bartiromo was absolutely fantastic. If you don't know, this Wednesday on the Hill, the House 
Judiciary Committee is about to depose Hunter Biden. Right? This is after his uncle, James Biden, had a tough, tough go of it last week. Wednesday is Hunter's turn. So Maria started the show with both Jim Comer and Jim Jordan, and it was great. So great that I reached out to Maria and said, I got to tell you, you are so far and away the best on Sunday mornings. She said, thank you. What time am I calling tomorrow? So Maria Bartiromo will join me coming up at 740 this morning. That's a big one. But then I put on this uh, this biatch, Margaret Brennan. She's just absolutely repulsive. She's stupid. She's really stupid. I mean, she had to be corrected by Bibi Netanyahu five times. Get yourself a map, Margaret, before you come off like a tough guy. And all she did was beat up Bibi Netanyahu. In fact, at one point, Bibi goes, you know, if you would stop throwing grenades at me for one second, let me answer, I can help you out here. I mean, she was so nasty. The hostages, Joe Biden says, you're over the top. Margaret Brennan, like this is what you want to hear, you know. And Bibi, I got to give him credit, maintained his cool the whole time, answered every question, made it very, very clear that while, yes, they want to get the remaining hostages out, that the ultimate goal is to win the war. And to win the war, you cannot leave Hamas in Rafah. For some reason, Margaret Brennan, that stupid biatch, couldn't understand that. Well, Joe Biden said, who cares what Joe Biden said, you dumb idiot? (laughs) Joe Biden? In fact, at one point, Netanyahu goes, if this happened in the United States, you guys would do a heck of a lot more than we're even doing. So it's nice to sit there and and kind of call us out. But um, he did list, at one point, uh, Netanyahu the three goals of the war in an effort to shut Margaret Benton up. So here it is, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, courtesy of Face the Nation on CBS yesterday, Lewis, cut number 14. There are uh, at least six U.S. citizens among those being held by Hamas. For you, is the return of living hostages necessary and essential for you to declare victory in this war? Yes, we said, uh, I've said three war goals. The first is to uh, release the hostages. The second is to uh, destroy Hamas. And the third is to in- ensure that uh, Gaza does not pose a threat to Israel uh, in the future. Uh, and obviously, the three are intertwined. They, they're they achieved basically by our very effective and often heroic uh, military operation, uh, and also by tough negotiations. Uh, we're combining the two, and I hope uh, it, it uh, yields the result. But understand that Unless we have total victory, we can't have peace. We can't leave Hamas in place. We can't leave a quarter of Hamas uh, battalions in uh, Rafah and say, mm-hmm. well, that's that's fine. They'll be there. It's like saying a quarter of uh, ISIS will be left and uh, uh, with a defined territory because, you know, they'll reconstitute themselves immediately. So total victory is important to achieve the war goal of destroying Hamas, of releasing the hostages and uh, ensuring that Gaza doesn't pose a threat. But I think it also is essential for any uh, future peaceful Middle East. You know, he uh, he really did act very diplomatic throughout the whole interview, and she was just nasty. 
I mean, really nasty. The fact that he has to talk to I know. Why would he do that? Is, why? Is ridiculous. It like, is. Listen, at least go on with a person like yeah. me. I'm dying to get BB because to me, BB is Trump. I love both of those guys. To me, BB is in almost impossible situation. It's almost impossible to ensure the safety of the rest of these hostages and at the same time eradicate Hamas. But I put in my faith and trust in Netanyahu that he'll do the best he can. And this stupid biatch sitting in some studio in Washington, D.C., this moron, yelling at Bibi. At one point, she's like, well, even Joe Biden says you're over the top. I swear to God, this guy's in the middle of trying to save democracy in the Middle East. If there were his people were thrown in ovens, butchered, raped, and murdered, and Margaret Brennan... This idiot is sitting in some studio telling P.B. Netanyahu what he should and shouldn't do. Yeah, he should be like more like Greg Popovich and just not say, like, I'm under control. This is under control. He should just I'll take, do it. I'll take care of just it. Just don't do it. Yeah, or don't answer. Why do you have to answer? The, the country's at war. Yeah, They're exactly. War. Exactly. They, they, does, A war they didn't start. It? Right. They didn't start that. October 7th, that beautiful Sukkot Saturday morning Shabbos. The Israelis were in their homes. They didn't go into Rafa and rape Palestinian girls or throw Palestinian babies in the oven. So if Palestinians are dying in the war, you ready for this? Oh, well, that's war. That's casualties of war. I am so sick and tired of people in this country, folks on the street, politicians, and idiot media folks going on and on about innocent Palestinians when I'm not even sure that even exists. I'm still not sure about that. So Margaret Brennan yesterday, to me, showed what garbage the media is. The questions are designed to push Israel up against the wall. The, que- the, the whole thing with the media is designed to push them up against it, to make them look bad. Like, they did not start a war. That's it. It's not. They're in the middle of a war. They're in the middle of a war trying to end it. It still goes back. We would be in deep trouble if World War II happened today, boy. Wow. We Big trouble. Be huge yeah. trouble. Yeah. Because everybody would be fighting us. <laughs> like, it was over in a couple of days. Sorry. We're, which, we didn't start Pearl Harbor. <laughs> no. But we finished it, we didn't finished we? finished it. Yeah. That's so my friend Mark Levin, who may join me tomorrow. God, I love Mark Levin. He was at CPAC over the weekend. Don't forget, it was a big weekend for Trump because he had that amazing speech at CPAC in Washington, D.C., while he was killing Nikki Haley in South Carolina on Saturday night. So Levin makes this really unbelievable speech at CPAC about the Israelis. And in this cut, we got a couple of cuts. He says he believes in River to the Sea, but he explains why. Lewis, Mark Levin, cut number 12. Number two. The Jewish ancestral home is there, and the Christian ancestral home is there. Jesus was born there. Jesus was murdered there. The church sepulcher is there. Bethlehem is there, now majority controlled by the Palestinians. Hebron is there, where Abraham is buried. The patriarchs, most of the matriarchs. And the Palestinian says, it's all theirs. That's what River to the Sea means. But I believe in River to the Sea. I believe River in the Sea shouldn't have one damn Hamas survivor, period. 
You know, I said to Justin this morning, when Mark Levin says should not have one damn Hamas, that's easy, right? We all agree, even some of the Jew haters agree, some, that Hamas are bad people. The question is, what about the Palestinians? That's the argument here. Nobody likes Hamas. Not the U.S. government, not Bibi Netanyahu. The fight is not over Hamas. The fight is over, quote-unquote, innocent Palestinians. And do we get to the point where we allow Israel to win the war, even if it means innocent Palestinians die? It's not about Hamas. Does that make any sense, Noam? It does. I mean, we keep talking about Hamas. We get it. Everybody agrees Hamas is, is evil. That's not what's at play here. What's at play is, will the United States allow Bibi to do what he has to do if it means innocent Palestinians, oxymoron, uh, innocent Palestinians don't die? That's it. That's what's at stake here. And for me, I don't care how many Palestinians die. I don't care. Now, you probably feel the same way, but you never have the balls to say it. The, well, look, I think what is always interesting about these interviews, and I, I actually uh, uh, slap him on the back for doing CBS because he knew it was going to be a hostile interview, but he gets his point across either way. But the fact that Israel's always questioned, they were attacked, and now they're being questioned in a way that no other country would be questioned, that they're going to go finish off the people who attacked them. If that happened anywhere else, you don't see people in the streets uh, screaming for Ukraine, right? That doesn't. You don't see those demonstrations anywhere. Where are those people? Lots of innocent people have been killed in that war, but no demonstrations. But when it comes to Israel, there's a double standard. They're not allowed to defend themselves even when they're attacked like they were on October 7th. Well said, Noam Laden. Okay, that sets us up. That is a tremendous 27 minutes to get you going on a Monday morning. Great, great guest list today. Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa, Maria Bartiromo, Steve Bannon, Miranda Devine, and more. You know it, folks. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. We wrap up February. That's right, folks. Friday, March. Before you know it, nice weather and baseball. Welcome to Monday Morning with me, Sid, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Uh, the late, great George Harrison of the Beatles. It's a great song. George had a birthday yesterday. Of course, he didn't celebrate it because he's long dead. But how old was... Um, he was 58 when he died. Is that right? Yeah. He's the youngest of the four. Oh, the four. He's younger than Ringo Starr. Yes. Huh? Ringo's 83, I think. Now. 83? How old yeah. is McCartney? McCartney was born in 1940. So, so McCartney's 82. Yeah. Well, 84, I'm sorry. Right. 84. Right, right. Well, he, he might. His birthday hasn't happened yet. Right. So maybe. He's so ha- Harrison would have been like, um, oh, uh, like he's been, uh, 81. 81, okay. Yeah. So. He got sued for this song, actually. Yeah, they said he stole it from. Um, Let's see if you can get it. Uh, Marvin Gaye. Uh, no. <laughs> no. That was, uh, no. what was his name? That was Robin. <laughs> what was that moron? Uh, Rob, Robin. Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke, that's right. And, Alan uh, Thicke's son. I think Pharrell was part of that, too. I think so, too, yes. yes. Wow. I-, I have no idea who he stole this song from. Uh, the Chiffons. Oh, no kidding, the Chiffons. Um, uh, my, uh, uh, one sw- not, not uh, what is the song now? Uh, he's so fine. He's so fun. I do know that song, yes. Now, if you sing them, that's yes. this, which came first. I can hear it. Came, I yeah. can hear it. He's I can so see that. Fun. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, I can now see he, that. And he, yeah. he lost. Yeah. Oh, he did lose. Yeah, he lost. Well, we so play his there, song yes. all the time and not the Chiffons. Okay, we'll play it later. No, don't play it. <laughs> I, just, just, I just want to prove it to you. Uh, I'm so annoyed by so much of the audio today that the song will just further my annoyance. <laughs> I mean, I already hate Margaret Brennan. Like, I hate Margaret Brennan. I mean, seriously, you got Bibi Netanyahu there fighting this war. Who is she? This stupid lady in a blue dress sitting in some studio in Washington, D.C., yelling at Bibi. Who is she? And then (laughs) you've got the classic (laughs) Hall of Fame baseball voice, who I must say, I interviewed a bunch at WFAN down in Florida. I've had Bob Costas on my show, I would say, more than a handful of times over the years. And I would never, he wouldn't come on anyway, trust me, but I would never, ever put Bob Costas on any of my shows again. Here is Bob Costas, <laughs> Mr. Sports, kind of like Mike Lupica. You know, they created sports. No, okay, he's, wait wait a second. He's what? not like Lupica, though. He, just as big as an asshole as Mike Lupica. Okay. Same guy. <laughs> right. Same guy. Okay. Same asshole. That one's, that's tough. No, same asshole. Same okay. guy. Right. So here's Costas on CNN ripping it to my friend Donald Trump. Cut number 10. He is by far the most disgraceful figure in modern presidential history. He's only become more disgraceful since 2016 and since 2020. He is a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits. You have to be in the throes of some sort of toxic delusion and in a toxic cult to believe that Donald Trump has ever been in any sense emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, or ethically fit to be president of the United States. I'm voting for him. Now, that would be a good debate right there. No, he he basically just called me and my dead Fred Bernard moron, so I take offense to that. It's more Bernie than me. A bubbling cauldron. Yeah, bubbling cauldron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, he gets right. That's what I always liked about him. He can get right to it. He cut Russo down once, Chris Russo, in an argument they had on. Russo screaming at him about a fight they were having. Listen, Bobby, Bobby, That Bobby, doesn't sound like dog to Bob, me. Bob, listen, Bobby, <laughs> that, that he is a terrible, and that is a terrible decision. That's a terrible <laughs> And calmly, Bob Costas, I mean, how long ago this was, I forget. Bob Costas calmly on the phone goes, Chris, Chris, 
Chris, as he was yelling, Chris, you can yell all you like and be as loud as you want. It's no substitute for reason. There is some truth to that. Hey, that's a good point, uh, Bobby. Yeah, no, I'm still a gotta... douche, but there is some truth to that. <laughs> so it turns out, of course, that this uh, young, beautiful nursing student who was murdered, University um, Georgia, uh, she was murdered uh, last week. And, of course, you knew this already, right? You knew that the guy that murdered her was going to be an illegal immigrant, right? You knew that, right? I know I did. And it turned out that was exactly the case. No, what's the latest on that story? You probably know more about this story than I do. I don't have all the details. Well, that's the story. You know, he um, he murdered her, put her in some park out there by the university in the woods and uh, they did not know each other. It was a random meeting. I think she was actually jogging that morning. But it's just another example of these. I think he was Vena's, uh, I think he's Venezuelan, this guy. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Another example of somebody who comes across the border to our country illegally and murders one of our people. And if you're okay with that, then vote for Joe Biden. If you're okay with the real possibility that your daughter is going to go for a jog today, maybe in Howard Beach, maybe in Brooklyn, maybe on Long Island, and there's a real chance that some scumbag from Venezuela or, or, or uh, Ecuador or who knows where is going to rape her and then murder her, then vote for Joe Biden. That's your guy. Perfect. That's your guy. If you are concerned about your family and friends being murdered in the streets of our country, then you don't go anywhere near Joe Biden. So it's very simple. Anybody who votes for Joe Biden says to me that, A, they don't care about their own family because any one of them could die at any time at the hands of one of these scumbags. They don't care about Israel because Joe Biden has proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's more concerned about votes in Dearborn, Michigan, than Israeli ladies being raped and murdered on the streets of Gaza. Are you this wrong so far, Noam? No, but I, I want to add to that Georgia story, too, uh, if I can. Of course you can. This, uh, you know, she was out for a jog. Yeah. I didn't realize that That's was part of the story. Yeah, yeah but yeah. she was then kidnapped. And for a while, you know, her, people were trying to reach her. They could not reach her. This guy had only just gotten here. He had crossed illegally through the El Paso, Texas border back in 2022 yeah. and apparently had been up to no good ever since. They, yeah, correct. They, they've been on the lookout for this guy yeah. for a while, which is just outrageous. His brother was arrested, too. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's another example of illegal immigration ending up with somebody dead in our country. So, Eric Adams, <laughs> keep talking about how we were built on this. This is what our country was built on. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. No, it wasn't. All right, before we get to uh, Jen Harrison, who you know is furious about this story, and uh, Joe Nolan with our first look at traffic. It is time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable. My guy, my good buddy John Katsimatidis, that's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. Comes your way every Sunday morning starting at 8. Or listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with former NYPD uh, police commissioner, my friend Ray Kelly. Sometimes after dark, I'm scared walking around at night, and a lot of people feel that way. And uh, last week, we interviewed the governor, and, and I'm glad that she uh, has now an apartment in in uh, Manhattan. And I said to her, well, governor, don't, don't believe what your people are telling you, that arrests are down uh, and arrests are up. 
you know, talk to some of your constituents that are walking around on the east side. You're absolutely right. There's a feeling of anxiety all over. People feel unsafe. You can quote numbers, but that feeling is still very much there. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Starting in the NHL, the Rangers finally found themselves in the loss column after a scorching hot 10-game heater. Finally came to an end last night in Columbus, losing to the Blue Jackets by a score of 4-2. to Artemi Panarin and Adam Edstrom scored, and Jonathan Quick stopped 37 shots for the Rangers, who lost for the first time since January 26th. They still lead the Metro Division with 81 points, 7 ahead of second-place Carolina, and they're tied with Boston atop the entire Eastern Conference. Out in Jersey, the Devils got worked by the visiting Tampa Bay Lightning. Final score there, 4-1. to Tyler Toffoli scored his 25th goal of the season for the Devs, who are 2-9-1 in the second half of back-to-back games. Akira Schmidt, you haven't heard that name in a while, making his first start since December 21st, had 23 saves, but he and the Devs uh, were no match for a very strong Tampa Bay squad. The Devils and coach Lindy Rupp have concerns with 24 games left in the regular season. They've been inconsistent in an injury-filled season thus far, and fans started chanting for Rupp to be fired late in yesterday's game. The same happened early last season before New Jersey went on a run and wrapped to setting a franchise record for points. We'll see what happens in the remainder of this season. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Islanders return to action on the road in Dallas, set to face off with the Stars at 8 p.m. Quick check-in on local collegiate hoops over the weekend. St. John's had a big statement win last night against uh, number 15 and Big East rival Creighton, beating them handily by a score of 80-66. to We're looking ahead to NBA action That was tonight. a big win for the Red Storm. Big win. My uh, good friend Steve Sharippa, a.k.a. Bobby Bacalas, a yeah. Anthony Blue Bloods did not go to the Nick Celtic game on Saturday night. Instead, went to the St. John's game yesterday. You know who else was there, too? Who? Oh. Uh, Brandon Tierney. No. Tommy Tommy DeVito's uh, stupid a- agent with his stupid hat. Oh, they're not, uh, but they're not together anymore. No, 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 right? no, 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 no. He uh, actually hired my old agent, Mark Lepselter's son, Max Lepselter. Oh, as far I as I know. Oh, oh, I thought you meant physically. I didn't know he fired him. No, he fired the agent. Yeah, I didn't know. Like that. in November, he fired him. Really? After yeah. after they were on the sideline, cussing and kissing uh, and hugging fired each him other. Right after that, oh, there was yeah, some yeah. dispute over some appearance that Tommy didn't get paid for in New Jersey or yeah. something, and At some pizza shop or something. Yeah, that's like right. That. Right. So right. he was with Max Lepselter instead of uh, I don't even know that guy's name. He's a clown. Clown. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It looks good though. Yeah, yeah he doesn't even look good. <laughs> I don't even know what time he's going to be playing next year. If he's yeah. playing at all, I have well, no that, idea. That's what he's like. The guy was no. in Super Bowl commercials. I'm like, nobody's going to know who this guy is this time next year. <laughs> uh, NBA action tonight, though, to look forward to at the Garden. <laughs> looks like an extra from Guys and Dolls. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like, really? Come on. Your 15 minutes is over there. Tommy. Uh, Knicks get set to welcome the Detroit Pistons for a 7.30 p.m. Where's the pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Cullets. Come on. Before the Nets tip off in Memphis against the Grizzlies at 8 p.m. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 
77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Jen Harrison said to join me next. So, Michigan is in play tomorrow. That, is that right, Noam? That tomorrow is correct. Michigan? Yep. Yeah. March 5th is Super Tuesday. 15 states in play. March 12th, I go to Mar-a-Lago. Very excited about that. But um, So, Michigan in play tomorrow. How many delegates, again, is Michigan? It's one of these complicated ones. But essentially, there's 55, but 16 of them will be awarded to tomorrow. the winner tomorrow. And, yeah. it's, and, it's, and it's winner take all now. It is. Some of these other primaries and caucuses, they split some of these. Now it's winner take all. I know you need just under 1,300 delegates to become the official nominee. And what is the other count right now between Trump and Haley? Donald J. Trump has 110. Nikki Haley has 20. <laughs> 110 to 20? That's right. Oh, my God. And now he really is going to pick up steam. I mean, if you, if you do the math, which I did, he can be the presumptive nominee by the second week in March that quickly. But she's going to stick around and uh, continue to embarrass herself, and uh, good for her. All right, we were just talking about that awful story that nursing student in Georgia who was murdered by another illegal immigrant. Certainly, Jen Harrison knows all about the pain that family is going through. Her boyfriend was murdered here in New York many, many years ago, and she started the victim's rights. She's an advocate, terrific here in New York, on this show often, and a very important voice, I believe. Jen Harrison, good morning. How are you? I'm I'm good, Sid. Thanks for having me on today. Always good having you. So this uh, this story in Georgia about this beautiful young nursing student, for you, Abe brings back some terrible memories. But um, above and beyond that, another example of how illegal immigration is destroying this country, yes? It's so infuriating and absolutely unfathomable how every single level of government failed Lake and Riley and her family from Biden with his open borders and his catch and release policy, New York State and New York City with their sanctuary policies, bail reform, woke prosecutors, woke judges, soft on crime policies, you know, down to blue counties and blue cities in Georgia who are enabling all of this, too. And those of us who have been paying attention know exactly why this happened. We knew exactly why this happened as soon as it happened. We've been begging for those in charge to fix these issues to prevent this exact situation from happening. And I understand more than anyone what this poor family is going through right now. Um, you know, this this will be a never-ending, lifelong nightmare for them, Sid. And, you know, maybe, maybe we can at least make sure for them that their little girl's death is not in vain now that the people in charge have no choice but to face what is happening and can't brush off what they've done here. You know, we all knew that this was never an if, but a when. And I wonder who will be the first to stand up and say never again. But this is not the first example. You know, I go back to that uh, beautiful girl years and years ago, murdered on the dock in San Francisco. Back there, they started a whole law after she was murdered. This is not the first beautiful person in our country to be murdered by an illegal immigrant. And yet, yet, uh, Joe Biden still has the borders wide open. He lies every day. They're trying the House desperately to try to impeach Mayorkas. But that ain't going to work because the Senate is never going to do it. 
So with all these horrible stories, and this one is a couple of days old, been going on for years now, years, Jen Harrison, and nothing is changing. So unless Trump wins, is it fair to assume nothing is going to change? Oh, yeah, of course. And we need we need him to win. I wish that he could win tomorrow and and just undo all of this nonsense. People are dying, Sid. These elections have life and death consequences and everybody's going to stand up and get on their soapbox and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They're they're not going to do anything. You know, is Kathy Hochul going to undo the ban on law enforcement interacting with ICE? She's not. The alleged murderer was arrested in Queens for riding around on a scooter with no license, with a five-year-old kid, with no helmet, who could have been seriously hurt or killed. How do you get that scooter? Was it one of these NGOs who were making serious bank off of illegal migrants? Is, is Melinda Katz, the Queens DA, who's just as bad, if not worse, than, than Alvin Bragg, is she going to investigate these NGOs on behalf of New York City residents and taxpayers? Of course not. She doesn't do his job. She let him go. She let him go. Sealed the case and forgot all about it. Lake and Riley's blood is just as much on her hands as anyone else. She has more blood on her hands, too. And I'll be back on your show in a week or two to discuss what's going on, really going on in her office and the way that she's using her office to set killers free. It's absolutely horrifying, Sid. You know, we see firsthand here in New York um, how local elections have national consequences. You know, even with Alvin Bragg prosecuting, uh, you know, not criminals, but Donald Trump, and, and the ripple effects that this has nationally because of local woke DAs and city and county governments. You can't go to parades with your family. The St. Patrick's Day parade is coming up. I, I don't want to go there. Remember the Christmas parade massacre in Wisconsin? There were about five or six counties, Sid, and states that let Daryl Brooks go before he mowed all of those people down. You can't celebrate the Super Bowl parade anymore because of soft on crime policies that enabled a bunch of thugs to shoot up the parade. And now because of epic failures at the federal, state, and multiple local municipal levels, a beautiful girl in college can't even go for a jog on campus where there hasn't been a homicide until now for 30 years. Have we had enough yet? I've had enough. Wow, that was uh, fire. Right there was fire. That's why Jen Harrison is on the show as often as she is. Victims' rights here in New York, Jennifer Harrison. I'm glad you brought up Melinda Catch, too. Curtis, of course, is coming up next. He's at 7 o'clock guest every morning, and that's his ex-wife. But you're right. She is uh, every bit as bad as Alvin Bragg, and for some reason seems to kind of duck under the radar until Jennifer Harrison comes on Sid's show and tells the exact truth. Well, there, there's going to be a lot more of that coming, and it's going to be on a national grand level. So Melinda Katz really should just stay in her house for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I know. If she should stay in her house, I imagine you're going to say the same thing about Mike uh, Sapriconi. Last week I had a ton of guests on, Cara Castronova, uh, running against him. She did not have a very good day, to be honest, at the convention last Thursday. Eisen, Gavin Wax, who I thought was tremendous on last Friday, all of them just destroying Mike Sapriconi. Yet, yet for what it's worth, at the convention, he had a lopsided victory. What's that all about? Well, to be honest, I, I think actually Kara had a tremendous day at the convention. Um, you know, Saprakon got the nomination. We'll get into that in a second. But, you know, she started out with maybe one county supporting her, and she went up there, and she got 12, 
12 people to vote for her, okay? So for not having any money, for having thrown this together at the last minute because she got railroaded. Don't get get me wrong. I I love Kara. I love Johnny. Uh, They're both great people. But I don't look for moral victories in these races. You're either going to win or you're not going to win. So, yes, she did better than maybe you thought. But the truth is, break it down to the the bare essentials, Sapra Cohn killed everybody. Killed them. Well, yeah. Well, all right. So let's get into that. Did Saprakone kill everybody because you know everybody loves him and he and they think that he's the guy to win, or did a bunch of people get together and say, "Listen, we don't think that we can win this race, so he's self-funded. Let's get behind him so that all of our bottom feeder, incompetent consultants can get paid, and we don't have to put money into a losing race instead of giving us a fighting chance." Like with with Kara, Mike Saprakone is. Is not he, he's not our guy, okay? I, I'm absolutely infuriated that they even nominated this guy. I'm putting myself out there. You know I'm here on your show putting myself out there the way that I am trying to champion these causes because people are dying. You know, people are dying, Said These elections are a matter of life and death. How can they justify nominating Mike Sapricone, who can't even get his own talking points right on Back to Blue. The, the, the guy is not a good talker, okay? Knowing that if we don't flip seats, more people will die. More parents like Lake and Riley's will bury their children. This is completely unacceptable. He has three businesses to withdraw his nomination. I think he has until tomorrow, and he absolutely should because he blatantly lied to the entire state conference to get the nomination. There are a lot of people that are very upset. That, that they were put in this position to have to vote for him. He stood there. He did a terrible job reading from a carefully drafted script that someone else wrote for him about the toxic environment that Tish James has created for all business owners in New York and blah, 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 the unconstitutional persecution of President Trump. Not once in that speech did he mention that he donated to her campaign. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing that uh, I guarantee you, Kara Kashanova or Eisen did not do is donate to Letitia James or Andrew Cuomo or there are even more, even more uh, Democrat names that for some reason Sapricone uh, seemed to over the years uh, donate a ton of money on. A ton. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he if he wants to continue with this race, Tara's going to primary him. She's going to get the signatures that she needs. I'm personally invested in her because I, I know that she could do it. She got 42% in a deep blue district in her first run ever with little resources and, you know, little help. She knows what it takes to bring home the win. If she could deliver that 42% in New York City that she delivered in her district, we can flip this seat. And she's the only candidate with a proven track record that can do this. Mike Sapricone and the GOP still have time to correct the situation. But if not, you know, Kara's going to primary him. So, and, and if Mike thinks that, you know, he had a hard time and, and he was shocked that she flipped the 12 votes that she did in the convention, you know, maybe he should ask his buddy Andrew Cuomo, who he also donated $10,000 to, how things work out when I get involved. Oh, Jen Harrison, my, that is a can of whoop-ass at 6.45 in the morning. It's going to be hard for anybody else on this show to live up to your interview just now. That is a uh, a great job. And, Jen, for folks who want to help you out with victims' rights here in New York, how do they do that? You can go to victimsrightsnypac.com. And the link for the Victims' Rights Reform Council, which is our nonprofit that goes towards supporting victims and, and not, you know, it's not political, the link for that is on there, too. Jen Harrison, really terrific job. Thank you so much. You know I love you. Thank you. Great job. Love you, too. Thank you. Jennifer Harrison right there. That's a way to start a Monday morning taking Mike Sapriconi and, of course... 
all the powers that be, Melinda Katz and others, that allowed this animal to roam the streets in the United States, and he ended up killing this beautiful nursing student down in Georgia. That's a grand slam home run right there for Jen Harrison. Thank you, Jen. That wraps up a great hour number one on a Monday morning. Busy hour number two about to come your way with Curtis Sliwa and Maria Bartiromo. Hour two coming up next. accident trust gabu law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabu law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabu law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Generals gathered in their masses. Just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. 7-11 on your Monday morning. Back on Sid and Friends in the morning. Jennifer Harrison, just great. Curtis Sliwa, Maria Bartiromo, Steve Bannon, Miranda Devine. Still to come. You know, I um, I didn't make it to the lunar parade yesterday. Um, but we'll get to that, I'm sure, with Curtis. But I, uh, my intention was to show up at some point, but I couldn't make it. So <laughs> I'm sure Curtis was there. Curtis, of course, gets big ratings hosting the Rip and Read noon to one every weekday afternoon, overnight weekends, and of course does an amazing job with me here every morning at about this time. Also did a great job last week. When uh, Curtis and I took over the two hours from Brian Kilmeade when he was on vacation. Just so you know, Brian Kilmeade is back today, so it's regularly scheduled programming. I'm done at 10, which is good. I'm done at 10. Then you get Kilmeade from 10 to noon. Then Curtis comes your way at noon. So we're back to regularly scheduled programming, Curtis. No more five hours of Sid and two hours of Curtis. Ah, uh, damn it! <laughs> yeah, you I'm going that, to. I'm you? going to withdraw. <laughs> I had to concede to you that you beat me for the week. Although our numbers, in in comparison to Brian Kilmeade, our friend, just knocked him out of the box, and we knocked that Mark Simone over at Women's Only Radio, <clears throat> WOR, out of the box. I mean, I want to go round two with you. I don't like the fact that I looked at the analytics. And you beat me, although we raised the numbers completely for the entire station. And then I substituted for Rita on Friday night. I added an additional two hours, and I told John Katzmatidis, who came in for that, 
Add this to my total, and this will allow me to beat shit. Oh, this is personal now. You're number one. There's no doubt about it. I have to concede. But I'm number two in the ratings, and everybody trails behind. Everybody trails yeah, behind. There's not really a close third after that. But um, at any rate, you did a great job last week, and I'm sure you did great for reading. Now, you contend after this great hour number one, I covered Donald Trump killing Nikki Haley in South Carolina, covered the big CPAC weekend, had audio from both Donald Trump and Mark Levin, covered the story of this illegal immigrant killing this beautiful nursing student down in the state of Georgia, covered Sylvester Stallone leaving Los Angeles and moving to Florida. I mean, I covered the Knicks and Celtics. I covered everything. But your contention is is that I missed the biggest story of the weekend in the first hour today. What in God's name could that have been? Are you a proud Jew? Yes. In fact, you've rediscovered your Jewishness. Now people have anointed you King David II. As I wear my Israeli dog tags outside my sweatshirt and my beautiful gold Jewish star inside my sweatshirt. Is Justin Ellick a proud Jew? Justin Ellick went to Israel with me and is a proud Jew, and I'm proud to call Justin my guy. And the news director is a sometimes Jew, no lady. Yeah, I'm not sure about him. He's, he's not Bernie Sanders or Ron Kuby, but he's not nearly as enthusiastic, How let's say, as me and Justin. How did the three of you what? Jews miss this story? I played B.B. Netanyahu no. on Face the Nation. This has nothing to do with B.B. Boy, what a B.R.G. is. The majority of New York Jews, if the election were tomorrow would vote for Donald Trump. You know what's funny about what you just said? 53%. Yeah. So I'll tell you what's funny about what you just said. So between 4.45 and 6 o'clock every morning, me and Alec sit in another studio and go over all the audio for the day. Justin, you could attest to this. What were you, circle jerking one another this morning? How did you miss this one? No, we had it. We had Lee Zeldin on Fox News yesterday saying exactly what you just said. But we didn't play it because Lee went on too long, and then he started to include Latinos and Asians. Well, excuse me. that was the Jews. Jews always talk too long, yeah. right? <laughs> you ever try to stop a Jew from talking? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, they're like, yeah, me, just, me. Yeah, yeah, so, cut him off. Give him a brisk. So stop. just so you know, Lee Zeldin's uh, whole, the whole thing on the Jews winning the election today was left on the cutting room floor, which may be the case with you. When I go down to Mar-a-Lago to see Scott Lobato's great movie, The Relentless Patriot, we'll see if Curtis Sliwa is left on the oh cutting room Oh, my God, floor. that was the best. They all said, oh, this, this is what makes the film. But because Trump is going to be there, I'll bet you Scott says, you know, I don't want to upset the president, right? <laughs> he doesn't hate you that much, does no, he? Well, who knows? You never oh know. What's, what side of the bed for the two or three hours that he sleep that he got up on? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I took offense last week. You called me one of the kings of useless information, the doggy man, Benigno, and Curtis Sleeper. You said that, right? I said, I am Eagle, you and Benigno. That's yes. right. Yeah. How dare you? Why? As I bring to these airwaves the most shocking story of the weekend, Billy D. Williams, right? Oh, the great Billy D. Oh. What a tremendous job as Gail Sayers and Brian Song. That's right. And, uh, and the guy who sued me, James Kahn, because I said he was a mobster choking on his lobster. He played Brian Piccolo, of course. And then Billy D. Williams with the Colt 45 commercials <laughs> works every time, right? The brothers love him. He said, man, if we could be just like Billy D. Williams, we'll get every woman in the house, right? He admitted he was a closet queen. Oh, my God, I'm Billy D. Williams. No way. Yes. 
You didn't, didn't know that. Dee Williams, a closet queen? Justin Ellick didn't know that. No, lady didn't know that. It takes Curtis Lewa, the king of useless information, <laughs> to yeah. bring this to the most powerful radio station in the nation from coast to coast on the number one show in the nation. I, I broke my heart. Oh, my God, me too. How who, do you know this? Who else is a closet queen well, out there? Self-admitted closet queen. <laughs> and then, oh, the genius of uh, uh, Sid earlier going, gee, I think he's a Venezuelan. Which illegal alien who's beating up cops, stealing, robbing, shoplifting, uh, breaking every law isn't a Venezuelan? Well, there's other countries where they do the same thing. Yeah, no? when's the last time about, somebody what, else got arrested? What about the Ecuadorians? Don't they get arrested once in a while? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, the cake is made of Venezuela. And then you didn't bring this story to the forefront. Now everybody's on board. We love ice. Ice cubes, ice tray, vanilla ice, ice uh, tea. They love Guys, and they say deport him, right? Kathy Holcomb, arrest him and deport him. You know, the Venezuelan thugs who beat up the cops. By the way, they're still looking for them. Do you realize you can't deport them? Maduro will not receive them. I've been saying this for a while. You've got to be able to receive your own people. He will not permit any flights to come into Caracas with deported Venezuelans. They're here for life. Eric Adams, you brought him here, you embraced him, you, you, you're lip-locked with him, with Cardinal Dolan, with these are our people, they're misunderstood youth, with tattoos on their necks saying, gang, 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 gang. <laughs> Guess what? They're not going back. They're here for life, Sid. Learn to live with them, as some of them will rape, rob, steal, and become a menace to society. Young men with high levels of testosterone, a military age with nothing to do, nowhere to go, gangbangers from Venezuela that have been cleaned out of the jails, and guess what? We rolled out the red carpet. Your guy, Eric Adams, oh, this is going to help me get to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. When I run for president, I'll be the second black president, and I'll win with a black and Latino vote. You know that was the plan. Oh, I totally agree with you the whole way, but it is, um, it's not going well for him. I mean, I don't even talk about him anymore. I really don't. And I think I've seen him once over the last two months, and um, um, I'm disappointed. In my opinion, he has been a colossal disappointment colossal and i like all the guys that work alongside him a lot of the guys inside his administration but eric has been brutal can you give me some of their names i can tell you which one is the rat who talks to me every day you want to give me some what, of the, the names in the like? adams administration well, you don't want friends with you know i'm friends with Manasha shapiro you know i'm friends with michael kemper you know i'm friends with uh even oh, yeah. Eddie well, by the way what happened to that lunch uh, they sit down you at the second it, avenue telly that's the first avenue Crime is skyrocketing in the subways. Everyone acknowledges nobody knows more about the subways and subway crime. I gave an exclusive to, uh, exclusive to Noam Laden about Broadway Lafayette. I figured out why the severed leg got from Broadway Lafayette all the way up to 167 and 170. We were laughing, remember, last yeah. week on the North yeah. Fortune. I figured it all out in one afternoon. So you figured it out. Yes. Has anybody else given you credit for that? Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Because because you've labeled me the king of useless information. <laughs> You, the most popular host in America. Well, wait a That's second. That's the, the hashtag. Well, the king of useless information. Well, I, 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 would, I would say that while it's very, very entertaining, Billy D. Williams, that was useless information. How a leg was found at a subway stop is very useful information. So what did you figure out, Curtis? 
The homeless people, as I told you, live in the subway, in the tunnels. They're the mall people. I've been in there. There's at least two dozen of them. They go back and forth on the tracks. Yesterday, I'm taking the D train down to Broadway Lafayette because I'm going to go to the annual Lunar New Year Day Parade with the Guardian Angels and watch what stupid costume Eric Adams <laughs> is wearing that makes him look like Run Run Shaw in a kung fu movie that used to play on 42nd Street. What? So he did wear one of those outfits? Oh, my God. And it looked like it cost all silk, $5,000, right? But anyway, the point was, the train stops before it gets into the station, and the conductor said, Uh, due to a homeless person on the track, the train is temporarily going to remain here. We'll keep you informed. So eventually, when the train pulls in, I get off, and there's a whole bunch of dope fiends shooting up, which I gave the video exclusively to Noam Laden in our news department, which he'll be posting up on the WABC site if he knows how to handle that kind of information. I go upstairs. The cops have already arrested some mutton skell. There's like four of them surrounding them. And then I go down near the tracks, and I'm talking to the MTA workers, and I said, why was the train uh, crawling and then stopping? He said, Curtis, you've been here before. It's homeless people living in the tunnels. A number of them have gotten hit the last few weeks and killed. Now, is that information that has been brought to the surface? The only time anybody paid attention was how did a freaking leg off of some dead homeless person's torso end up going from Broadway Lafayette Spring Street in the Lower East Side <laughs> and end up on the elevated tracks of the number four train, the Muggers Express, between 167 and 170, where a little kid is looking out the window, the front window, because he wants to be a modem in like Choo Choo Charlie, the engineer. Good and plenty, plenty good, good and plenty, plenty. <laughs> mommy, mommy, look, it's a leg. It can't be. It must be from a mannequin. And it turned out it was a human leg. And they had to go to the medical examiner, and they said, well, the leg didn't have any ID. Duh. <laughs> of course it didn't have any ID. Ah, ah, ah. There are homeless, so many of our homeless people. Yeah. They're living in tunnels. Some of I them know. are veterans. And yet, what are we doing with the illegal aliens, the migrants, especially those bad hombres, as Trump would say, from Venezuela? We're putting them up in hotels in Times Square, and then they go downstairs, and they're stabbing, and they're beating up cops, and they're on the lam. I thought I would uh, see it all and hear it all, but now I am corrected once again when my friend Curtis Sliwa actually quotes Donald Trump. Have you done like a complete 180 or 360, whatever it is, on Trump? Are you voting for Trump now? Oh, look at the election where tomorrow. Does anybody have a choice? No, there's no choice. What, am I going to vote for a guy who can't <laughs> even remember his name? And the guy that also keeps the border open, which oh. allows people like Eric Adams oh, to do God. what he's doing. And don't like Kathy Crimewave hook him oh, off on too, this. I know. Oh, underlay, underlay, come on in. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why elections matter. So you asked me earlier about my dear friend Tom Sullivan. Everyone knows Mike Sullivan, my best friend, living in, uh, one of my best friends, living in Breezy Point. But all the brothers, Brian, Danny, Thomas, they're all dear, dear The Sullivan's first in war and first yes. in peace. So you asked me if Tom who got jobbed out of his last election. They stole it from they him. They stole Stacey it Stacey Pfeiffer Amato had well, an event tuh, tonight. Tuh. <laughs> yeah, and he does. Uh, it happens to be in my neighborhood, about seven blocks away from my house at Jameson's. I'm my going. Buddy, Eric McManus owns Jameson's on 129th, Beach 129, from 7 to 9 p.m. later on tonight. Tom Sullivan, big event at Jameson's. This is the m- second most important election in America. This is a blood second. feud event. It's event that this man 
This man who served our country in war. This man who went into the pile at 9-11 to rescue people. There's no more of an honorable politician in, in all of politics. In fact, Democrats have told me that. And you know, they don't ever give any kind of cred to Republicans. And they stole this election from him. You know, you could argue, whoa, did they steal the election from Trump? This is indisputable that Facey Fifo from Pfeiffer and her mother, who is the Queen's clerk, stole the election. The both of those hands. And now it's time for the rooster to rise. <laughs> Tom Sullivan, I'm going to do everything I can to get him elected. I'm going to live in the district, in Howard Beach, New Howard Beach, Old Howard Beach. Even talk to my enemies who wanted to kill me. Uh, do me a solid. You tried to kill me, you miss. You got to vote for Tom Sullivan. Hamilton Beach, Ozone Park, Broad Channel, and the ponds at Bell Harbor, Breezy Point. Middle I'm going to be like, bing, 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 bing. All of them. We're getting All of this them. man elected. He, uh, he's got an event at Jameson's tonight, but he does tell me he's got a bigger event coming up right down the road at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club, where, of course, Count Mike on and Donna me to be there. That's right. <laughs> and by the way, speaking of the Yacht Club, oh, am I pissed at you. You welfare queen, queen, you deadbeat. What are you talking about? Let me tell you something. Not far from the Bell Harbor Yacht Club, well, uh, let's face it, it's sort of like... Um, Gilligan's Island, uh -huh. right for you, Gilligan's Island. Yeah. You love going to catch your speed ferry there. Yes, I do. Right at the dock. Well, I got to get home, Curtis. And come to Lower Manhattan, sure. yeah. and you get to, on a nice day, you get to add to your tan. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to be as dark as A-Rod was. Oh, my God, what <laughs> happened to him? Too long in the tanning bed, or maybe he had the man tan. But anyway, you love that speed ferry. Yeah, I do. And you swipe your Metro card, right? What no, is it? no, no, that's not true. I have to buy a 10-pack. Which, um, I believe I just bought a new 10 pack, cost me about $27.50. Oh, yeah, it's a oh, lot of money. Oh, you're, you're like impoverished. It turns out that we, the sucker taxpayers, pay $25 to subsidize Good. every one of your rides Good. and every you other should. gold bridge and dead beach you ride. You should. Hey, you're hey. opposed to uh, welfare queens, I am. and yet you're the biggest welfare queen of all. Send the ferries to the scrapyard. It's time, Sid, to return to your roots. I rescued you from Coney Island in the middle of the campaign at 4 in the morning because you told me you were going to take the D train from Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue, to come into WABC. And I said, no. I got some gangbangers to deal with. A Carrie, Carrie Gardens here. I'm going to come pick you up. We took you here. You were safe and secure. And now a pox on you, you welfare queen. We, the taxpayers, ain't paying $25 for every one of your rides on the speed ferry. You're going to take the A train. And I'm going to have a guardian angel there in the morning, right at Beach 116th Street, last stop. Take you on the shuttle, the broad channel, and then the ride of your life to East New York, Brownsville, never read, never will. The over-under point spread is on one of those mornings, uh, Sid Rosenberg will be collateral damage. And Eric Adams will give you a great eulogy, but say, you know, crime is really down. It's real. We're the safest big city in America. No, 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 no. We're, we're safe. It's secure. Look, I ride the subway every day, every day with my Fendi scarf, my $700 scarf. This place is crazy. Sid, I'm coming to the Irish Riviera. And then remember the St. Patrick's Day Parade on Saturday that starts off the 9,852 St. Patrick's Day Parades that take place in our tri-state area throughout the month of March.
Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. What Hamas has done is horrific, but President Biden has said your actions, sir, are over the top. You hear this? Aren't you concerned that Israel is creating more terrorists than it is killing? I think that any civilian casualty is a tragedy, and I don't say that uh, half-heartedly. Uh, I lost a brother in war. I myself was wounded uh, while releasing hostages uh, from a kidnap uh, from a hijacked plane. I've lost friends in battle. Uh, I, I know what it means to lose friends and what it means to lose family members. So uh, we don't have an argument there. But this war has been forced upon us uh, by a cynical enemy that not only targets our civilians, has raped, beheaded, uh, burnt babies alive, killed children in front of their, of their parents and parents in front of their children. Uh, this uh, enemy not only uh, targets civilians, but hides behind uh, civilians, Palestinian civilians. Mm-hmm. So they're committing a double war crime. Uh, I have to come back and say that in terms of the, the way this battle is fought, there is no parallel to the difficulty that we face. And John Spencer, the head of urban warfare at West Point, says that no other army has faced such a task. He, he gives one comparison. Yeah, that's not the he question gives most I asked, of the comparison. Well, it is, but it, that's the answer. Shut up. You can't say, oh, you, you uh, give immunity to the terrorists because they're hiding among civilians and uh, forcing civilians not to leave. So what do you do? You say, okay, we'll give you immunity. Hamas... Uh, 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 survives, uh, will live to fight another, to commit mm-hmm. another massacre and another massacre. What would America do? Yeah. What would America do, Margaret, if okay. you faced the equivalent of 29 11s, 50,000 yes. Americans slaughtered in one day, 10,000 Americans, including mothers and children, held mm-hmm. hostage? Would you not be doing what Israel is doing? You'd be doing a hell of a lot more. Traveling Mulberries, George Harrison celebrated a birthday yesterday. We didn't celebrate, he's dead, but. So, I think I've said this a couple of times already this morning, but it's worth saying again. I hate Margaret Brennan. Enough bad things can't happen to Margaret Brennan. That's where I'll leave it. That's it. Are you sure that's it? She is a disgrace. <laughs> She's an absolute disgrace. Why is he sitting there listening to her? Yelling like at Bibi Netanyahu, taking him to task. Who gives a rat's ass that Biden thinks it's over the top? We don't care. Oh my God. But, he, you know, he was very diplomatic and very, very professional. I wouldn't have been. I would have gone nuts. Of course. I would have been like, hey, Biot, shut your face. <laughs> While you sit there in your stupid suit in your stupid studio in D.C., why don't you come out here and try to figure this thing out? You know, um, uh, Mr. Roosevelt, uh, Mr. Truman, uh, uh, Adolf was not really happy about yeah. you dropping yeah. a bomb right. on yeah. Nagasaki. Exactly. Exactly. Um, can exactly. you explain why you killed all those innocent people in Tokyo and Nagasaki? Oh, it was so that we could survive. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So you right. know, Levin at uh, CPAC actually talked about all the damage the media is doing, because if you watch it carefully, folks, all the media talks about is the hostages. Not because they're more concerned than you. I'll guarantee you that Margaret Brennan has never met Rachel Goldberg. Guess who has? Me. I sat with Rachel for 30 minutes in a studio in Jerusalem, and we cried together, together. And I want nothing more than her son, Hirsch, to come home. 
I was there in Jerusalem with her. But I realize, I realize that the bigger picture is Israel winning the war, not the 70 hostages that are still out there. But the media, all they focus on is the hostages, because they want to make Bibi look like he's got no heart. He doesn't care. Hostages, including Americans, are going to die. Little Palestinian kids are going to die. Yes, the same Palestinian kids who in the second grade are taught, if you hate and kill Jews, you're going to heaven. So they go on and on about the hostages. And they're doing the hostage families a disservice. Here's the great one himself. I think he'll be on this show tomorrow. Mark Levin at CPAC Lewis, cut number 11. I'd like to say a couple things. First of all, to our media, you're doing a lot of damage to these people. When you spew, when you spew the propaganda of the Hamas Nazi terrorists, you give them hope. They quote you, CNN. They quote you, New York Times. They quote the river to the sea crowd. We hear them quoting because there are English interpreters telling us what the Hamas leaders are saying. You're giving aid and comfort to a bloodlust ideology that would just as soon burn our country down as burn their country down. This is an ideology. This is a fundamentalist Islamist ideology. And under their fundamentalist Islamist ideology, Anybody who doesn't agree with them must be slaughtered, including Muslims, by the way. We're slaughtering each other as I speak. All right, so there it is, Mark Levin at CPAC, and he's right, the media. And again, just go back and listen. I've been playing cuts all morning long. I will continue to listen to how disrespectful Margaret Brennan was to Bibi Netanyahu yesterday. All those talking points that the left, the Democrats, the media go on and on about. It's really grotesque. All right. Maria Bartiromo, on the other hand, she does a great Sunday morning show, unlike Margaret Brennan, Face the Nation, unlike George Stephanopoulos on ABC, unlike Kristen Welker, Meet the Press, who may be worse than Chuck Todd, unlike all of them, Maria Bartiromo, Sunday Futures on Fox, does a great show. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Here on Sitting Friends in the Morning on a Monday morning. You guys know I get up on Sunday mornings and I watch some ESPN, have my coffee, and then I go to the news shows. And I have to tell you, I've been meaning to say this for a long time. You know, George Stephanopoulos is an absolute disgrace. Kristen Welker, a disgrace. I watched Margaret Brennan take apart Bibi Netanyahu yesterday. What a disgrace. The only show that's worth watching on a Sunday morning because she is far and away the best. It's not even close. 
is Sunday Futures with Maria Bartiromo. What a spectacular show again yesterday. And with that said, here she is, my friend Maria. Good morning, Maria. Hi, Sid. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. You know, your show yesterday was terrific. Wednesday's a big day. They're going to depose Hunter Biden. Uh, last week, of course, they deposed his corrupt uncle, James Biden. And you started yesterday's show right away with Jim Comer and uh, my friend Jim Jordan. And it sounds to me, Maria, like they're very, very confident that come Wednesday, they're going to put the screws to Hunter Biden. You got that same feeling, yes? Well, what I figured out was what was really compelling is the fact that these deals that they were doing had all the same structure. And even if the people involved did not even know each other, it was the same structure. For example, James Biden tried to get uh, lots of business with this healthcare company in America called AmeriCorps. And Politico is reporting about this. And Politico said that one of its sources told them that the structure included giving Joe Biden a seat on the board of AmeriCorps and Joe Biden um, equity in the company. That's the same structure that was proposed in a separate deal with Hunter Biden and his partners with CEFC, the Chinese oil company, where, again, they wanted potentially Joe Biden to have a seat on the board and they wanted to give him 10 percent held by H for the big guy. And we know that that was in an email. So what's becoming really obvious here is that no matter what company it was, whether it's China, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, AmeriCorps in America, it was all the same deal, the same structure, that they wanted money up front, they wanted equity in the business, they wanted, you know, potentially board seats, and that's very damaging to see the structure as being so similar. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what I took away from it, too, is that not only did they need Joe Biden's name or hop in on a phone call, Maria, as influence peddling, they wanted him on the board. (laughs) They put him on the board, and there's no doubt that he's involved. You know, you also talked about this interview with Joseph Galanis, and you made the point, it was a very good point, that he's in prison. So, of course, the left is going to say, oh, my God, how credible is he? But he also said pretty much the same stuff we've heard all along from my friend Miranda Devine. She'll be here at 930 Tony Bobolinsky, Tucker Carlson, you and others. There was just so many people out there with the same story about Joe James and Hunter Biden. Yeah, and I think Miranda made a really good point when I spoke with her yesterday. And she said, yeah, the guy's in jail, but unfortunately, this is the kind of crew that Hunter hung out with. And, you know, he's in jail. The other guy, Smirnoff, is is now, you know, facing um, an indictment because the feds claim that he, you know, gave wrong information, that it was somehow, you know, tied to Russian disinformation. Look, I think the walls seem to be closing in here because, you know, we are hitting a tipping point where Americans are recognizing that there is a real impact to America's national security. And when you look at all these races across the country, Um, in terms of, you know, what's important to voters right now. Immigration and the wide open border has become the number one issue. People are really disturbed about their own security with all of the crime spiking across New York and and elsewhere. And they're really worried about the country's security, national security. And when you look at some of these deals with China, particularly CEFC and and the Biden family, according to House Oversight, uh, officials, you can see that 
Ownership of oil and gas for China was really at the heart of a lot of these deals. So whether it's Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, the family doing deals with China and the Communist Party, it was about China wanting access to America's energy production. And it really is a massive smack in the face to all of us to watch Joe Biden push through his climate change agenda and attack um, fossil fuel companies and, and sell it all to China. And that's basically giving China a leg up in terms of oil and in terms of, you know, energy, not only as an economic story, but as a national security story. And that's, I think, what they're going to have to answer for. Why was he selling or trying to help China gain access to U.S. powerful energy companies when, in fact, he's telling America to blow off oil and fossil fuel companies, putting us at a disadvantage to China? Two more minutes here. Maria Bartiromo, terrific Sunday morning futures, Fox Business. And, of course, 6 a.m. every weekday morning on Fox Business as well. I was yeah, I was struck by A. Carrie Lake talking about immigration, talking about shutting down Yuma's hospital in Arizona. And Mike Pompeo, who said, listen, I know Hunter Biden got a Porsche from Kazakhstan and two diamonds from Russia, including the Moscow's, uh, the, the mayor's wife. I mean, it's just so dirty, so corrupt, so nasty. So, in closing, very simple question, Maria, again. Hunter Biden Wednesday gets deposed. Do you think that something will come of this? Because the last couple of years, a lot of information, a lot of smoke, but nothing really has happened. No real repercussions. What do you think happens on Wednesday? Well, I think on Wednesday, they're going to ask him all of these relevant questions. But what happens to all of this, this impeachment inquiry, when it gets to the Senate? I mean, the Senate will allow it to die. So I'm just not sure where this goes. But there's no there's no question that the American people are recognizing that there is something seriously wrong here. We're talking about it on my show. You're right. I'm about to go on the air for Mornings with Maria on Fox Business, and we're going to zero in on this because the president is actually coming to New York today. And is he going to come to New York to talk about the migrant crisis? Is he going to talk about the fact that an illegal from Venezuela now allegedly killed that poor nursing student in Georgia? Okay, he came to the El Paso, Texas border in September of 2022. He was arrested in New York and then let go and then he murders this poor nursing student in Georgia? No, the president is not coming to New York to talk about the migrant crisis. He's coming to go on Seth Meyers to do an interview for late night television. Give me a break. And a fundraiser, too, on top of that. Maria, you keep talking. You're absolutely amazing. Your Sunday shows are great. Your weekday shows are great. I've been friends with you for many, many years. I'm proud of it. Thank you so much, Maria Bartiromo. Have yourself a great day. You too. Thank you, Seth. All right. There she is, Maria Bartiromo, once again, host of Sunday Futures. That's a great show. And Mornings with Maria on Fox Business, 6 a.m. every weekday morning. We'll take a short break. Lots more to do. Steve Bannon next hour. Miranda Devine in the 9 o'clock hour, Monday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Producer Jill Vitale this weekend. This is where the song will make sense. So, yeah, I love Jilly, flirty flipper. And I've told you the story a million times that she thought that Blue Oyster Cult classic, The Reaper, was written for that stupid Will Ferrell character. What do you keep saying? More, um. Cowbell. Yeah, stupid, stupid. So, that's, you know, that's Jill. You know, she thinks, uh, she would think that they wrote this song. Night Ranger for Boogie Nights. Yeah, they did. <laughs> no? Yeah, they didn't. No. Oh. But man, was this a great scene. No, when he's shooting up the firecrackers inside the drug dealer's living room. My God, was that great. I don't like how they put the songs on the record. I don't like, I don't, I don't like that. I want to hear them in my way. I want to hear them the way I want to hear them. <laughs> yeah. I make, I have all these mixed tapes. <laughs> yeah. And he's wearing that crazy robe, and Mark Wahlberg is sitting there. What a what an intense scene! It's great, and the, the Asian guy like walking around just throwing firecrackers. Snap! <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh, it's yeah. when there's a calm, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's maybe one of the most underrated classic movies it is ever. An amazing, amazing movie. movie. It's a great Burt Reynolds movie. was great in that too. He is great. And then you that. had um, who played Roller Girl? Heather Graham. Heather Graham, yes. Um, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great actor. No, he's, <laughs> he played really, the homo guy, the homosexual guy. I, I really like her outfit. <laughs> yeah, I think you look handsome. I, I, they, With that I, belly shirt he kept wearing, it was hilarious. Can I kiss you? <laughs> can I kiss? I, I really oh, want to kiss you. Uh, a little bit, they also were like Joe Namath and uh, Susie Colbert that I really want to kiss you there. Yeah. It's a great it is, movie, it man. It is great. It's raw. It's totally. Yeah. You could believe it. It's, All of it. Yes. Yeah. Burt Reynolds is just. The Colonel is great in that. that the Colonel. Colonel. The Colonel comes over yeah. to Mark Wahlberg when he meets him. <laughs> this is the greatest thing. I can't say it. So, uh, so uh, uh, Billy tells me you you have a big. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> May I see it? Yeah. 
the uh, Dirk Diggler was the character, of course, that uh, Warburg played, and he did have a very big penis. Right. May I see it? <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bannon, uh, Miranda Devine, and more to come your way on this Monday morning. You know who me and uh, Alec really, really like is this girl, Noah Tishby. Noam, you know who Noah Tishby is? I do, yeah. You don't know? No, no, I know who she is. No, who is she exactly? She's a you know social media influencer. Is that what she is? I would say that's the best way to describe her. I, I mean, that's the only place I know her from. But yeah. she gets like a million hits. Yeah. I don't know who she was before that, but she is huge when it comes to Jewish and Israeli issues. She's really smart, and she's very pretty. And uh, I love her. And, you know, uh, she ends up on Adam Carolla's show, so... I'm in an extra bad mood now because I've been asking for a while to get B.B. Netanyahu. He goes on with that idiot Margaret Brennan, Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation yesterday. And he was on moments ago with Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends. And I'm the guy that was in Israel. Very hard to find somebody more pro-Israel than me, and I can't get him. And Noah Tishby ends up on the Adam Carolla show. Who watches that? I guess a lot of people, huh? I don't even know where you'd find that. Is that a YouTube show or something? I think it's a podcast. Oh, but I guess it's, it's like Joe Rogan, like a video podcast, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. My son said to me uh, over the weekend, Gaby, he goes, you know, Dad, if you ever gave up radio and did a podcast, you'd make a lot more money. They'd be a lot more famous. I said, what? He said, yeah. Dad, if you ever gave up radio and did a podcast, you'd make a lot more money and be a lot more famous. And I said, well, why do you say that? I mean, I know Joe Rogan does very well, maybe Corolla, but how many people are sitting in their basements, like uh, Alec, for example? He does that, that uh, sports thing with, um, <laughs> what's his name? Eric Salas. There you go. Isn't that like the overwhelming majority of podcasts? People just sitting there basically talking to nobody? But uh, Gabriel was like, no. Well, that wouldn't be the case for you. You would bring your audience to, That's what he said. to the podcast. He said, you're a big star, and yeah. you have a big audience, and yeah. people would come, and yeah. and uh, you'd be great. Right. He's right. You know, Danielle said the same thing, to be honest. I don't know. I just These, it, it makes me nervous, Change, you know. They're, they're, and I love this place. They're totally right. They are right? Yeah, 100%. Let me ask Lou. Lou, Gabriel <laughs> and... Uh, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. Gabe <laughs> and Danielle believe that if I took this... If I left and became a podcast guy, like Joe Rogan and uh, Adam Carolla, then I'd have a lot more money and be a lot more famous. No. You say no. No. See, I say no also. All right. They wouldn't. Okay. Now, why do you say no? (laughs) Well, you're going to have to secure a huge deal. With one of these companies. Well, didn't Joe Rogan use like a quarter of a billion dollars? So, what do you think? They have another quarter? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I'd be happy with, um, you know, one million. I don't need a quarter of a billion. Well, yeah, well, the difference is it's, it's yours. It's all 100% yours. So you're making 100% of the money. Is that true? Yeah. But what about these companies that actually... No, it's not the taxes he has to pay. Well, <laughs> what are you well, talking yeah, about? Obviously. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, but I'm but it's the same as a job. Yes, but you would you would make more money. You would. Well, I'm not leaving, so... Huh? I don't think that's right. I don't think... The metrics of podcasting are that most people don't make money doing it. At all, yeah, right? Yeah. At all. He already has right. an audience. No, and it's well. That's that's, that's, that's what Gabe and Danielle say. It's not a reliable uh, plate. Thing it's not also. right. No. Yeah. no, I mean, I know it's, this. It's, I'm on a fifty thousand watt station, a monster every morning in the world's number one market, hosting a morning show in the world's number one market. 
How do I know that I'll have any of that exposure doing a podcast? People are not coming up to you and saying, <clears throat> I listened to your podcast. I heard your podcast. I heard your... Never. They're hearing what we're doing on the air. Exactly. That's what they're hearing no. as it's happening. Yeah, right. They're listening yeah. to stuff Well, I agree later. with you. I'm not leaving. So, but Tishby was on Adam Carolla's I'm not show. asking you to leave. That's not good for me. <laughs> yeah. if you leave. I'm just saying, you, you know, no, I what understand. I think. Like I yeah. said, Gabe and Danielle agree with you. Uh, on the Adam Carolla's show, she talked about the situation in the north of Israel with Hezbollah. Here is uh, Noah Tishby, cut number 13, courtesy of Adam Carolla. There are hundreds of thousands of refugees in Israel right now. Nobody talks about. So in the north and the south, they're all evacuated. People just basically left. There's anti-tanks missiles every single day, like dozens and dozens and dozens of them that are exploding homes and killing people and going into, you know, bases and and, and farms and, and so on, right? There was a resolution in 2006 that was signed by Hezbollah, by the Lebanese government, by the United Nations, a UN resolution, Security Council resolution by Israel, called Resolution Number 1701. That resolution was basically the resolution that told that Hezbollah needs to be disarmed and move north of Israel, about 18 miles north of the Litani River, right? What happened? And then the UNIFIL, um, uh, UN forces basically to maintain the peace right there between Israel and, and Lebanon of Hezbollah, which is, again, Hezbollah is Iran, Hamas is Iran, it's all Iran, right? What happened since 2006 is slowly, slowly, UNIFIL left, so the UN forces left, and Hezbollah just started moving towards the border and, like, basically sitting on the border. And now Hezbollah is on the border shooting at Israel. If Israel has to go to the north and go into Lebanon to retaliate against Hezbollah, guess what the world is going to do? The world's going to be up in arms because a resolution that Hezbollah signed, they're not fulfilling a U.N. resolution, right? So we're in a position right now which the world doesn't even know that there's crap going on in the north every single day. It's evacuated from citizens. It's constantly under attack. And Israel needs to deal with that threat as well. But we're going to do it, and we have to do it. We're going to have to do this. And I'm asking, if you're not calling for Hezbollah to cease fire right now, then don't call on Israel to cease fire when Israel gets into Lebanon to take care of that threat. Well done, Noah Tishman. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk to the man himself, host of Cats and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon. And, of course, the great Sunday morning show, Cats Roundtable. John Katz-Matidis. We'll also talk to Steve Bannon and Miranda Devine. A very busy Monday morning with me, Sid. And we'll be back right after these short messages. in the morning 77 wabc after long hard consideration your mother and i have decided it's time to move on and leave the state of california permanently and we're going to go to florida we're going to sell this house what what yeah is this a joke it's not a joke at all full time no la time full time we already have the place it's a done deal 
great slide right there. Sylvester Stallone, who announced, like Scott Bayo and many others, leaving the state of California to move to the red state of Florida with Ron DeSantis. And I played that before I brought on John Katsimatidis, who, of course, does a great job, Katz and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon in the Katz Round Table, 8 a.m. every Sunday, because almost every time he comes on, I ask him if him and Margo are leaving, you know. And I ask Bill O'Reilly, who I saw at the Nick game on Saturday night, the same thing. People who have um, had success and made money and can afford to live any place they want, why are they staying here? And you can ask the same question to folks in California, and they're leaving. They're leaving California, Gavin Newsom. They're leaving New York, Kathy Hochul, and looking for the greener pastures of Republican governors. Florida, Texas, and uh, some of these uh, other great states. So my wife, Danielle, and my daughter, Ava, are together in London this morning. Ava, of course, goes to school in Wales, which is a quick 90-minute train ride from London. And I believe Katz is there, too. Maybe he's having lunch right now with Danielle and Ava. Uh, John, are you having lunch with Danielle and Ava in London? No, I haven't found them yet, but I am in London. <laughs> I flew all night, and uh, we got here. Uh, we landed actually about 1 o'clock in the morning New York time and tried to get some sleep. And... Uh, and uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's uh, as cold as New York. Yeah, no, it's chilly there, I know, and it's rainy and damp. So uh, are you there for a pleasure or business? A little bit of business, a little bit of, uh, of pleasure. We're, um, we're having a special ceremony for the former uh, king of Greece. Uh, you know, he died about, oh, my God, a few, you know, about a year ago. Wow. So it's a special ceremony because London was his home, and, as well as Greece, I guess. But uh, we also have uh, a, a uh, I think, uh, if he's up to it, a meeting at Buckingham Palace with uh, uh, King Charles. No, is that true? You kidding me? No, it's true. Wow! And well, when we're up to it, let's see. You know, I know it doesn't feel well. Yeah, he's got cancer. Is, is, would that be today or tomorrow? That'll be tomorrow. A meeting with King Charles. Look, that is fantastic. Uh, you know who else is? Uh, he was at CPAC actually in D.C. Is our friend Nigel Farage? I think he's back in London. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to call him when I'm here, and uh, we'll see what, uh, what. But I'm coming back Wednesday night. I got to be back for the five o'clock show Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go straight from a meeting with King Charles to come back and do uh, the Cats and Cosby show at 5 o'clock. That is amazing. So what do you, I mean, before I get to the, the stuff here in New York, I've been, I've been to London many, many, many times. And again, uh, Ava, you know very well, my daughter goes to school right there. I love that city. Do you like London? It's, it's a civilized town. Uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I'm in a new hotel here. I don't even know the name of it. Uh, Raffles. And uh, uh, I go and sit on the toilet, and the heater comes up on the toilet. <laughs> Japan is like that too. You automatically get heaters and and bodegas and excuse me, bodegas. What do you call that? Uh, it sprays. You get that automatically in Japan too. Same thing. Yeah, the day, this hotel, yes. I think was originally part of the Department of Defense in World War II, uh, and uh, it, 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 and they just remodeled it. Just opened up a few months ago. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, the Brits know how to do it. 
They do. I, I always compare it to New York. I mean, uh, cleaner. Uh, you have the, you know, the financial section, which is very similar to us here by Diane Wall Street. You've got the, uh, the Broadway section. They've got all those Broadway shows. In fact, you've got, um, the, uh, what is that famous hotel? The Waldorf, which is right there too. So it's very similar to New York, but you just don't see the dirt, the filth, the homeless. And I don't know about you, John, but I've walked those streets late at night and felt a heck of a lot safer. Yes, uh, you do. And and I had Ray Kelly on yesterday uh, uh, on the Sunday show to Cats Roundtable, and he was very, very concerned about what's going on in New York. Look, we all love New York. We want New York to 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 to, to, to make a comeback. And uh, I think safety is one of the, the factors, as I said. I mean, people have to feel safe going into the subway. People have to feel safe walking around at night when they're walking around to go to, to a restaurant. And, and people have to be safe. When when my stores, when Gristini's or D'Agostino's open at midnight, the, the employees have to feel safe working there. I mean, en- enough is enough. And I said that to uh, uh, the governor last week. I said, why why are we uh, protecting criminals when we should be – there's 3,500 violent criminals. Why are we protecting them instead of protecting our citizens of the city of New York? And, you know, it just doesn't make sense that – that's why people are leaving. And I did play a bunch of your interview this morning, John, with Ray Kelly from yesterday. And, and you know, look, the Upper East Side uh, is a place where for so many years you're never worried. You, you know, it's one thing if you're down in Alphabet City or some other areas, even the village at times. But you're never worried on the Upper East Side. And now it just seems like there's no place safe. I don't care where it is, Madison Avenue, Park Avenue, Upper East Side. Like when I was a kid, for example, John, you had your good and bad neighborhoods. Now, there's no such thing. Now, almost every neighborhood has been influenced by these criminals, almost all of them. Well, the, these migrants, don't forget, uh, uh, 80%, 90% of the migrants that come in are probably decent people that want to work hard. But 10%, 15% might be violent criminals. And, and, and there's no checks and balances at the border. Nobody checks them. Nobody knows who they are. You know, some of these countries said, you know what they did? They emptied out their jails yep. and sent them to America. Venezuela and, did that. Yep. Yeah. Horrible. And we just horrible. saw we just saw this uh, beautiful young nursing student murdered down in the state of Georgia, killed by a guy from Venezuela. And we're not sure if that guy also was in jail there. I think his brother was. But nevertheless, you're exactly right. So when you hear the mayor, who's a friend of ours, Eric Adams, go out there and tell you that things are great, the city's great, the city is back, and all these types of things... You got to scratch your head. You, I mean, I just, I just don't hear that, John, from everyday people. They don't, they don't share no, the same the, confidence. The NYPD, they're good people. They, 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 the, the NYPD is the greatest police department in, in in the world, and they have to be allowed to do their job. And uh, you know, Commissioner Caban is working very hard. He's, he's, I think he's putting his foot down, and uh, and. Uh, Look, they want to do a good job, and the politicians should allow them to do it. Otherwise, you know what we should do? We, maybe maybe we should say that the, every time there's a murder by one of these uh, migrants, 
Maybe we should uh, charge the politicians as co-conspirators. Now you're talking, John. I love that idea. We absolutely should. If they're okay with these people here and they commit a violent act, they absolutely... You know, it's kind of like, you know, for the first time ever, we saw less than a month ago that there was a school shooter, and I had Joe Tacopina on, and they actually charged the school shooter's mother. I know you know that, John, but I was happy to see that. I mean, if you're going to be standing by, you're almost an accomplice. That's it. And, and if you're a DA that let a, a, a shooter go without a bail, guess what? Maybe you should be charged. 100% sure. I love that idea. So it's one thirty in the afternoon, if my math is correct, where you are right now. It's about lunchtime, yes? About lunchtime. I'm hungry. You're going to take uh, Margo, I hope, for, for tea? At some point, well, we got a, we got a meetings tonight, uh, a dinner. But I think maybe we might go downstairs and and have uh, a little bit of a snack uh, to, till then. I'm jealous. I got to tell you, it's a wonderful city, and we love you, John. So enjoy London the next couple of days. Get home safely on Wednesday. I'll see you later on this week in the office. And as always, great job. We love having you Monday mornings. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. We listen. I've been listening to you since six. My man, John Katsimatidis in England, listening since 6 o'clock in the morning. My boss, my friend, the great John Katsimatidis, thank you so much. John, of course, Katz and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon, and his show Sunday morning, 8 a.m., the Katz Roundtable, as good as any radio show in the country. John Katsimatidis, thank you so much. Still to come, Steve Bannon, Miranda Devine, and more sitting friends in the morning on a Monday. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Yesterday of something evil, evil amongst us, evil lives here, something like that on the ID channel. I am addicted to that channel. It's all I watch. I'm not watching sports or Fox News. I'm watching the ID channel. I can't get enough. You realize, Justin and uh, Lou Nomino, you know this. 31 years ago today, what happened in New York City? We'll start with you, Lewis. 31 years ago today, what happened in New York City? It was uh, 1990. 
five. <laughs> Your math is so bad, it's pathetic. Okay, okay. I mean, so God, what school did you go to again? Oh, Fordham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you mean? 1995, that's right. No, I would go at 93. That's just me, 31. Okay. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah, I'm trying to suck. Yeah, it, you know. 31, 93 plus 31 equals 24. Oh, it's seven, yeah. Yes. yeah. 93. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least you don't act like an ass. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so what happened 31 years ago in 1993? I actually don't give a damn now. Okay. I'm just going to wait until what, you're wait wrong a second. next time, wait. and then I'm going to come I, in there and hit you with a pipe, <laughs> like you I, just did. I love you like a brother. You know that. Don't get mad at me because you went to a lousy college. You couldn't teach you math. Math is not taught in college also, Einstein. It's taught in elementary. Well, whatever elementary school failed you also. Uh, Alec, what happened in 1993? Uh, What happened in 1993? In New York City. Oh, there was a bombing, The bomb. There was a bombing at the World Trade Center, wasn't there? No, you told him? I did not. No, No. but now that that I thought about it, I was there. What do you mean you were there? (laughs) We were just finished at the Radiothon. The one that were down at the World Trade Center? I, I thought it was at Rockefeller Center. I, I see. I, when I joined the show, it was later. Don't forget, I didn't get to the Miami show until two thousand. So in ninety three, when I got to the show in two thousand, we did those radio bonds from Rockefeller Center. No, 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 no. We were downtown. We were always. We were at the winter. We were at the winter gar. Uh, the winter garden thing, whatever it's called. Yeah, by the ice skating rink, Lewis. No, no, that was no, Rockefeller no. Center. No, no, if it's the bomb that I'm talking about. 93, yes. You were down in the World Trade Center doing the shows then? The Radiothon had just ended. Yeah. And the thing where, where right on West Street, you mean? Yes. 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 Yeah. Where all the fire. Yeah, I just got out of there in time. Oh, my God. It happened around noontime, right? Mm, something like that. Yeah, yeah, 11.30. Six people died. Yeah. And, um. Yes. And pe- I was in a bar, Moran's, after the Radiothon. Yes. Yeah. Right there. Right. And so I had just, I got back home and Francesa put me on the air. He did? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Boy, my math is so bad. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go back to Florida. Your math is still oh, terrible. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, now you're glad you asked me, right? <laughs> I, was, I was actually there. People were running into the bar, soot all Oh, my God. Them. Yeah, Jeez. and the entire West Street, right by where those where the crossings were over West Street, yeah. were closed, fire department. And I had a car that was waiting for me, and I got out of there. My guy got me out of the financial district just in time. You know, you think about back then, Lou, and it wasn't like people were afraid. I mean, they were afraid for a couple of days. A bomb goes off in the World Trade Center. But it wasn't like people were expecting what we got eight years later. And, in fact, the president, Bill Clinton, who was the president uh, in 93 and who had Osama bin Laden, he had him two or three times, kept letting him go. It wasn't like New Yorkers are walking around, oh, my God, what's next? But uh, they figured it out, didn't they? And eight years later, uh, you and I were on the air together for that one. I know where I was. I was on the air with you. That's right. Talking about the Giants and the Broncos with Imus and McCord when the first plane hit with Bernard on 96th Street. It was a mayor primary. He Chern- was out on the street. Right. Chernoff was running yes. in and out. Yeah. Just complete craziness. It 31 was. years ago today. Yeah. Uh, one more note for you. This Michigan... Primary coming up tomorrow, just in case you're one of these morons. And you're a moron who's been trying to sell me about Nikki Haley for the last seven months. She's just a waste of time at this point. As I said on my video yesterday, a vote for Haley is a vote for Biden. 
Just know that. A vote for Haley is a vote for Biden. The numbers right now, looking forward to tomorrow, ready for this? Donald Trump, 72%. Nikki Haley, 27%. You believe that? 72 to 27. All right. We'll take a short break when we get back. He's here every Monday, and he is great. Just spent the last couple of days in Washington, D.C. at CPAC. Has his great War Room podcast. It's a tremendous podcast. It's our good buddy Steve Bannon. Bannon talking Trump, Biden, a whole bunch of stuff. Steve Bannon coming up next. Go to my Instagram right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. I went back to the same chair. And what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Back on Sunday, October the 8th, I've got a chair in my family room that I sit in to watch TV. That's kind of my chair, you know. And on Sunday, October the 8th, I sat in that chair and did about a one-minute video about how destroyed I was over the actions from Hamas the day before and how I hate to make it political one day after, but this is all Biden's fault. And I was right. Of course I was right. I went back to the same chair yesterday. (laughs) You have to see this. I'm wearing the shirt I'm wearing right now, which I received from my friend uh, Sean, who, of course, um, has uh, the great restaurant Harbor Lights in my neighborhood, and it reads, Freedom with the colors of the American flag in a light blue sweatshirt. I'm wearing my Israeli dog tag and my big, bright gold Jewish star. And I was wearing in that seat yesterday a hat that I got from my friend Michelle Lubin, who runs this group called Jexit down in South Florida, Jews exiting the Democrat Party. And the hat 
has the name Trump in Hebrew. It's a red hot Trump in Hebrew, the year, (laughs) and then Donald's iconic signature. And I do this minute-long video about how Donald Trump just kicked Nikki Haley's ass again, how a vote for Nikki Haley is basically a vote for Joe Biden, and how Trump and only Trump can save us. And what a weekend it was for Trump. That great win in South Carolina Saturday, his great speech at CPAC on Saturday, and my next guest, who does a tremendous job on this show every Monday, also spent the week in D.C. at CPAC last week, put on great shows, had amazing guests. He is the great Steve Bannon. Steve, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, in fact, as soon as I saw that, I think it was in my Getter feed, or I saw it on YouTube. I put it up. I reposted it on Getter, and it's gotten a ton of traffic. Very, oh, wow. Very impressive. You did that? Very impressive. I did it immediately. Oh, my God. Thank I, you, I, Steve. I, can, I, I it's nothing about what a great guy you are. It's just great content. Oh, thank you so much. That. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Thank you. And your content was amazing last week. I watched a lot of it uh, from D.C., your CPAC interviews. Just great stuff, Steve. But I will tell you that David Axelrod on MSNBC this morning said that CPAC is a classic example as why Republicans have gone crazy. Just watch CPAC, and you'll know right then and there why not to vote for a Republican, what do you want to say to David Axelrod? I think it's. I think uh, I love that David Axelrod's marketing CPAC. He said that the Democratic Party ought to pay people to watch it. I say bring it on. Particularly President Trump's uh, hour and a half speech. I think my eight minute speech to close out the proceedings on Saturday that talked about how we're going to take the White House. We would love the Democrats to underwrite that and pay it. More people are coming to our side every day. The MAGA movement's ascended. President Trump's ascended. Um, and you see it everywhere. So that's that's them whistling past the graveyard. Because you notice the Democrats don't have anything like CPAC. They don't have anything where they get people together, start talking about ideas, uh, and have great speakers on tough topics. I mean, we had a pre-CPAC uh, force multiplier event at the building on Wednesday, drew 500 people for five hours. Nobody left. So our 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 group is is the MAGA movement is jacked up. Focus, ready to go. So if David Axelrod wants America to see it, I'm all for that. I'll take that. You want to have an up or down vote in November about what went on at CPAC? Let's get President Trump's speech and all the great speakers and let the American people decide. I'll do that in a second because we'll win 70-30. Let's call his bluff. Yeah, I I love that. They're big talk. They're big talk. The reason they're saying that, they're afraid of what they saw. They're afraid. Look, President Trump gave an hour and a half speech, no notes. Wasn't really on the teleprompter, and he's laying down, I mean, policies. And this is why The Guardian and some of the smart people on the left are in meltdown, because they see President Trump's coming back now (laughs) with much more power, much more momentum, and people around him. Like you saw, there are 25 people that were on the stage on the last three or four days are going to be in his administration. You know, Tom Holman, uh, uh, Matt Whitaker, uh, Scott Bessent, uh, uh, Hazard, you know, from finance and economics to DHS to attorney generals up there like Jeff Clark and uh, Mike Davis. You had 25 people going to be at the tip of the spear of Trump's administration. And they, the smart people in the, on the left know it, and they're in panic mode. So David Axelrod will take your bluff. We want, we want the Democrats write us a check. We will take CPAC around the country. We put it up on 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 streaming, and let's see. Let's have an upper vote, uh, upper down vote in November about 
what, what people think about these policies. I love it. Steve Bannon. This is why we love Steve Bannon. Now, on the flip side, you're right. Great week, great week for Trump, great Saturday for Trump. On the flip side, look at the Bidens. Last week, Uncle Jimmy embarrassed himself, contradicted himself more than O.J. Simpson, lied about 10 times. And now Hunter himself is set to be deposed on Wednesday. Now, look, I'm not stupid. I understand it doesn't matter what Comer has or Jim Jordan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Bobolinsky says or Tucker Carlson or you, for that matter. Truth is, the story is about four years old now, starting with Miranda Devine, she at 9.30, and, and the Senate is never going to do anything with it. So no matter what happens on Wednesday, odds are there are not going to be any real repercussions. But it'll be good to see Hunter Biden squirm at least on Wednesday, yes? Well, yes, but I, I, do, I, I want to go forward and have a, a formal impeachment hearing after this. The nation needs to see this. The nation needs to – the Democrats have to have their nose rubbed in it of what they've been hiding. Look. Real simple. The, the Bidens are trash, okay? And what they've done is sold access to – and the, Jimmy is – remember, he's the brains of the operation. That's how, that's how bad it is. They've sold access to Joe Biden. Look, I'm Irish. I, say, you know, I, I, I see guys like this all the time. He sold access to Joe Biden when he was vice president, to the Chinese Communist Party, and to the oligarchs in, uh, in Ukraine for cash money. That's got to be we have to have a formal impeachment hearing to put it in front of the American people in an official judicated and have the Democrats going these guys doing, you know, little Jamie Raskin doing backflips. How they're (laughs) going to protect the American people don't know the details. They don't know a treasury. We have the wire transfers. We have Hunter Biden trafficking women. I've had three female congressmen come on and talk about the sex trafficking of Hunter Biden is outrageous. Let the, they, they talk about Trump and about the women's vote and Swifties are going to vote for, for Biden. OK, well, let's put it out there in front of the American people in an official proceeding and rub their noses in it about how the family's been doing sex trafficking. Hunter Biden's a sex trafficker. They've been taking money from the CCP. Remember, uh, Jim Biden's excuse in his deposition, well, it was a Chinese company. It was not the Chinese Communist Party. That's their that's their defense. If that's their defense, bring it. This is, once again, remember, every time we get a venue, whether it's CPAC or an official proceeding, when people see the information, they go, I didn't know that. The media hadn't been reported. I didn't know that. The American people are very smart. Working class people in this country, middle class, even people the Democrats, that the ones the, the propaganda it has overwhelmed a lot of them. But once they start seeing facts, they go, you know what? This this starts making sense about why why the system's so screwed up because you got a bunch of crooks at the top of it. So I think they take these depositions. Let's go to a formal hearing. Hey, I don't care if he gets saved in the Senate at a trial. I want to have the trial. I want to want to have the hearings. I want to have the trial. I want to force the New York Times to cover it. I want to force Rachel Maddow to cover it. I want to force the nation to look at it. I agree with you 100%. Like I said, I want them to squirm and, and uh, cover it, like you said, and let them people should know what's going on. That's, of course, if they want to know. You know, so many people just don't want to know, and they're very comfortable with the Bidens and not our guy, Trump. But I got to tell you, you look at what happened uh, just last week, Steve, with this beautiful young nursing student that was murdered in Georgia. And didn't you know, didn't you have an idea, Steve, before you knew the specifics, it was going to be some illegal alien because I did. 
and it continues to be a major issue. It is costing people's lives in our country, and yet this son of a bitch sits there in D.C. with a wide-open border with, uh, you know, uh, Mayorkas lying for him, Harris lying for him, the whole Democrat Party lying for him, and another beautiful young girl dead. That's all you need. If you're Donald Trump, you got a million things to beat Biden on, but that one right there, Steve, that says it all. That's why I said I think you're 100% right. That's why I think it was the centerpiece of the CPAC speech. Remember, he said migrant crime. He actually labeled it migrant crime is out of control. Now, I would rather be illegal alien crime, but I'll take migrant crime. He laid it out exactly what's happened. Listen, this is the reason I believe we're going to get over 50 to 60% of the Hispanic vote this time. The Hispanic communities are being terrorized by these criminals they've allowed in. And I think it's a huge and, and nobody wants to talk about it. The Democrats want to suppress that. But you're 100 percent correct. This crime that they look, they've let 10 million people think about that for a second. Think of every generation in this audience you've come from, the sacrifice those people made to build this country, the sacrifice they made to hand you a little bit of what you got, the sacrifice they made on every battlefield in the world, all over the world, from the Pacific to North Africa to Asia. Right. The jungles in Vietnam, everywhere. Think of the sacrifice and think about people that will allow and foster and, and exacerbate 10 million illegal alien invaders coming into our country. These people don't love America. They hate America. The Bidens hate America. Only someone that hated this republic will allow that to happen. This is going to be the massive uh, topic, I think, in, uh, in, in the election this November. And you see in New York City. It's destroying the greatest city in the world. Look at Chicago. Look at New York. Look at San Francisco. Look at L.A. These are the greatest cities in the world built by generations of hardworking Americans and being destroyed in a couple of years because of the Biden crime family. They got to be turfed out and then they got to be criminally held responsible. Even before these illegals were doing this, those cities that you just mentioned were being destroyed anyway, because to make it about politics, they're all blue. I mean, bottom line, I mean, you know, Sylvester Stallone announced this weekend, I'm moving out of Los Angeles, I'm going to Florida. Scott Baio did the same thing. Countless actors have left because of Gavin Newsom, and for a while they're Eric Garcetti. Same thing in New York, Eric Adams, Bill de Blasio, Kathy Hochul. So even above and beyond the migrant issue, the illegal issue, all these blue cities, all these blue states run by Democrats, Going back to the summer of 2020 when it was okay to beat up cops in the street and burn down cop, you know, uh, stations in Minnesota, that was okay. But God forbid you say something bad about George Floyd, who was a scumbag, a career criminal, nine prison sentences and a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. That was not okay. So even before the illegals, it comes down to Democrats. They have been spending years and years destroying our greatest cities, our greatest states, and the world's greatest country. Amen, brother. <laughs> I couldn't say it better. No, it's Amen. true. It's true. This, uh, is on the ballot. this is on the ballot this November. That's why it's another. If Axelrod, you know, wants us to take CPAC and give it out to the American people, let's do it. Because right there, people are going to understand exactly what's happened to the cities, their states. And it's not going to get better. By the way, if you like what's happened and, and, and the Democratic Party right now are burying people, the working class, be nothing but Russian serfs. If you like being enslaved by debt and crime in these cities, then keep voting for it. Because you're going to get more of it. If you like it, keep voting for it. If you want change, then Trump offers change. MAGA offers not just change, but radical change. And that's what Axelrod, these Obama guys hate.
Last one for me. The Israel thing is a big deal. You know, I was there, Steve. I actually had the honor of being on your great show, War Room, live from Jerusalem. And I take it very personally as a nice Jewish kid from Brooklyn, which happened in Israel. And uh, at least two or three times a week, I want to strangle Joe Biden for saying what he says about Bibi Netanyahu, about Israel. So Netanyahu yesterday did this. Uh, for some reason, he did it. I don't know why. He went on with this uh, horrible person, Margaret Brennan, on CBS, on Face the Nation. She was so disrespectful, basically yelling at Bibi, you know, Joe Biden even says what you've done is over the top. You know, don't you care about the hostages? Time and time again, at one point, he actually said to her during the conversation, he actually said, if you stop tossing grenades at me, I can shift the conversation and answer your questions. So all these media people feel all emboldened now because the president has really turned his back on Israel. That's another issue where President Biden, Steve Bannon, has failed miserably. Well, look, he's working against it. I just think, Bibi, I, I think he can't get unfocused. They got four, was it four battalions of Muslim Brotherhood Hamas down in Rafah? You still got the Persian militias up on the northern border. You got the problem in Judea, Samaria. I, I, I think they're losing the plot. Bibi's just, let's, you got to get on with it. When you have to go through hell, go through as fast as possible. And that war is clearly hell. It, it's a war. But if you're gonna, if you don't do it, you're gonna have more October seventh, and more importantly, you're gonna have the sword of October seventh over your neck forever. Israel can't can't exist like that, can't survive like that, can't thrive and be robust and vibrant with that. So you got to get on with it. And I think you know, I I think their attention over there is getting very distracted. I think you got to get back to the mission. The mission is to remove the military operations of Hamas. You got two to four battalions of their best fighters in Rafah. You got this situation on the northern border. You got the situation in Judea, Samaria. Get on with it. I, I, I think I think they're burning daylight. I think they're getting very distracted. Michigan tomorrow, the numbers right now, Trump 72, <laughs> Haley 27. I mean, our guy is just humiliating her in every stop. And I understand she'll probably stick around through uh, Super Tuesday where she'll lose all 15 of those states, some by as many as 60 points but I got to give Trump a lot of credit as we wrap up this great conversation, Steve. In that Saturday night, he barely mentioned her. It was about what he's going to do to Biden come November. It was almost like she was a side story in her own state where he humiliated her. What what is she doing, Steve? I think it's quite good. I think two things I want to address it is that uh, one goes back to my previous comment about defense of Israel. Uh, tomorrow, it, it's with the with Trump's going to blow her out. I think she's flipping to try to be no labels because she's running as a Democrat. And I really admire the fact that President Trump had the discipline not to mention her. She's she's irrelevant right now. It's Biden. I think since she ran as a Democrat in uh, in South Carolina, which she did, and since she's getting most of her money now from Democrats, I think she's going to look at the no labels to try to stop Trump from taking the presidency. She's ambitious as Lucifer, and she's got to be watched constantly. I also think this Michigan primary in Dearborn particularly. The Muslim vote, if they don't vote for Biden, they're going to have a seat at the table. It just It's a reality, and we're going to have to deal with reality. That's why I think Bibi and the government in Israel has to get on with it. You have to get on with it now. Every day you delay, every day that you step back, every day I think get you know start giving primacy to the hostage negotiations, which the hostage situation is horrible. But you got to remember what caused it. What caused right. it is the Muslim Brotherhood of Boston, and they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. People have to understand this. 
this situation in the Democratic primary, if the if the Muslim vote around Dearborn does not vote for Biden, they're going to force they're going to force their way. They're going to say, quite frankly, we can deliver Michigan. And that's going to be an issue. And people have got to be aware of that. So we're going into very treacherous times. I think this is the most dangerous time the next nine months until Election Day could be the most dangerous time in American political history, at least modern American political history. And people have to be on watch. And I would advise my friends and colleagues and folks in Israel get on with it. Well, that's a big statement. Uh, and it is interesting that uh, they're talking about Biden losing the vote in Michigan because he's too pro-Israel, which is ridiculous because he's been anything but pro-Israel. In fact, he's been stabbing Bibi and the Israelis in the back for the better part of three months. Oh, wait, wait, excuse me. For the better part of, I don't know, six years since he sat down with Obama and Kerry and did that Iran deal. Anyway, you're brilliant. You were amazing in D.C. last week, Steve. Congratulations on the great CPAC event. We'll all be watching War Room. And as always, great job here. Thank you so much. Sid, thank you so much. You're the best. Steve Bannon, folks, right here. What a great get. Monday mornings, we got him. Steve Bannon, Sid and Friends in the Morning. That wraps up our number three. Big final hour about to come your way. Yes, Hunter Biden about to be deposed Wednesday. Comer, Jordan, all of them getting ready to take Hunter Biden down, hopefully. We'll talk to the lady that started the whole thing years ago with a story in the New York Post. Our friend Miranda Devine, fourth and final hour, next. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I won't let you down. Starting to block off all the streets here. By the way, it's been a great show today. Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa, Maria Bartiromo, John Katz-Matidis, Steve Bannon, still to come, Miranda Devine. So the president of the United States, that imbecile, that creature in the White House, as Naomi says, he coming to New York today. Ugh. I know. For what? Well, for one, it's a big fundraiser. Money for his campaign. Oh, the campaign. But the bigger reason is, you ready for this? He's doing a TV interview with the unfunny douchebag Seth Meyers. Mm. Joe Biden in town to do an interview with Seth Meyers. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't get uh, 
Fallon or Kimball or one of those guys. Seth Myers. Well, Seth Myers is smart. You can. He's smart. He's an idiot. Okay. Isn't he on the late, 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 late show or something? Well, I'm saying if you had Biden compared to him. Oh, it's no. Like, you're right. It's like Donald Duck talking to <laughs> Stephen Hawking. <laughs> 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 Come on, it's, it's just stupid. Yeah. Why do they. Br- I mean, why don't they just. Fly him to another small town. Tell him he's in New York. He has no you know. idea. Right. Put him in a broom closet just with a microphone. Yeah. Just tell to say this farmer is uh, <laughs> is the guy <laughs> and have that farmer ask him a couple of questions. Put a couple of lights up and say he's in I New mean, York. I mean, they no destroy idea. the whole damn city. <laughs> the hey, traffic Jack. is going to be a mess all afternoon now. I'm here. Yes. Jeez. It's going to be terrible. The blockades were up at four in the Four thirty. I know. I was coming in. See me. It Stupid. doesn't matter. I hop on the ferry. I'm out of here. But if you have to drive in and out of the city today, you're dead. You're dead. Oh, yeah, close the FDR drive. Yes. So this brainiac yes. can come up and down. Oh, uh, by the way, and uh, also enough with the uh, the owl. I mean, uh, please, I'm begging you. Joe Flacco, the owl, or something. What's uh, it? <laughs> it's tragic. You, you ran into a building on Friday. What did he do? Was he drunk? Uh, they don't know. But you know that like 200,000 birds die of running into buildings every year in the city? Well, why do they do that? I don't, because there's so many of them, and they must, don't see the glass. So they smack must, into the glass. Must have had Billy Joel driving or something. <laughs> <laughs> so the owl just smashed into a building? Yeah. And that's how it died? Yeah, fell to the ground. I wonder, Done. I wonder if the outcry on social media, there was probably a lot of sports fans out there that thought Joe for a second that Joe yeah. Flacco yeah. was yeah. dead. <laughs> 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 they be idiots. Yeah. So why, why is this owl so famous? Because yeah, a year ago, someone cut the netting to its enclosure at the Central Park Zoo, yeah. and it got free. And they tried to initially capture it for like a month. Yeah. Then they gave up. And then there's just been spottings of it all over the city. People have cameras set up on their window sills when oh it sat God. there and so people you know i guess they <laughs> fell in love with this bird you just seen people yesterday there was a memorial I at a tree in central yeah. park where oh, the please. bird used to be oh, yeah. people were crying it's as big as john lennon's <laughs> strawberry field flacco the owl yeah maybe they were leaving notes nice. for him and maybe. now these morons on new york one they're doing a whole uh Oh story God, here, remembering Flacco the <laughs> Owl in life and death, and they're showing pictures of the owl scratching his ass. I mean, there's somebody in another square yeah, doing a, a young lady. Analysis. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the owl. And, and then you want to know why the terrorists want to get right, us. Right, they right, right. They should, too. Yeah, they should. They just kill us. Yeah. This, that is... He's actually asking questions. Yeah, Pat Cunin. It's like it's like he's talking to BB Netanyahu. I swear to God, he's like, "Oh, serious." Well, now what? Now what? What, what does the owls do now without black? <laughs> without black yeah. What do they do? Where do they go? Do you think we have a geography problem with the buildings of the city and the birds can go up and down? I mean, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Come back. Uh, oh man, that's it's just funny. so stupid. I'd rather them put the blockades up for the owl though instead of this idiot. I agree. Coming. I agree. Good point. <laughs> I actually feel worse. The owl died if Biden died. Oh <laughs> I would sooner go to the yeah. owl memorial than Biden. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it. Plus, if he was driving, he would run into. He'd the run into a wall too. in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm here for the interview, Jack. Where's the car? <laughs> She's still going. Yeah. Remembering Flacco the Owl. The life and times. Some sort of out, was she uh, Flacco's handler? I don't know, but you, you need to get the audio for this because I'm tiny here. 
<laughs> what, what, what could she pot? She reminds me a little bit of Kelly Clarkson, this girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On New York One, but right. what could she possibly be saying? <laughs> and Pat Kiernan, did he do a show here for a little while, Pat Kiernan? He did, yeah. Yeah, Bernie, I used to see him, he said, so. Uh, uh, Bernie <laughs> was happy when he almost got paired with him, too, and I remember that. <laughs> I remember that, oh, yes. Great, now I gotta do this. Uh, <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jeez, boy. What a mistake. Yeah. Well, it's been a busy stupid. Monday. We uh, we did cover some really important stories above and beyond Flacco the Owl. So if you missed it, <laughs> I told you. To... You know, like, you're right, though. you got to tune into FAN this afternoon because they're going to be calling in. So what 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 happened with Joe Flacco? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I mean, no what, who's he going to back up now? <laughs> Man, he was just coming back. I don't get it. I mean, you know, maybe the Jets should look into this owl to back up, uh, you know, Rogers. Yeah. They said he escaped from his enclosure. Why were they locking him up? Yeah. Why, were they, right. why were they locking up Joe Flacco? Uh, <laughs> I do have some local news I have to cover from uh, upstate New York, but my mother's neighborhood. And I know that uh, Susan Brown Otto is listening now. She said the rat may have very well eaten, the owl, I should say, may have very well eaten rat poison. I got this message from uh, Benji, uh, Shy Tire, the whole group up there, the Freeling family. They own Benji and Jake's in upstate New York, the great people. Uh, it turns out that uh, they want my mom and the family to know about a woman who is, uh, she owns most of Jeffersonville, the bakery shop, the tavern on Main Street, 52 and Vine, which is a wine shop. Tavern on Main is a restaurant and a few other businesses. She is an outspoken, vile anti-Semite. So uh, they, they want these people to know, do not patronize any of her businesses. She's also on the board of the Sullivan County Visitors Association, which we are trying to get her ousted. So once again, uh, this is a, a woman who is uh, owns most of Jeffersonville, the bakery shop, the restaurant, tavern on Main, and the wine shop, 52 on Vine. If you're a Jew, do not go there. Do not go there. I get this from very a very, very good source. So there you have it. Uh, let's take a short break. When we get back again, Hunter Biden set to be deposed on Wednesday. The Republicans, guys like Comer and Jordan, oh, they are licking their chops. They can't wait to get it, this guy. What do we know if the last week's deposition of his uncle Jimmy, and what can we expect coming up on Wednesday, the lady... That has been at the very forefront of this story from the beginning. The great New York Post columnist Miranda Devine joins me next. Is Hunter Biden going down? We're going to find out from Miranda. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. So Maria Bartiromo was on this show earlier this morning. 
about two hours ago. She was great. I saw Miranda Devine, the uh, amazing New York Post columnist, toss up between her and Goodwin for the best in the world. <laughs> and uh, Miranda was great. And look, this whole Hunter Biden story, he'll be deposed on Wednesday. I saw Jim Comer and Jim Jordan on Maria's show as well. It all started with Maria. Before there was a Tony Bobolinsky, before there was a Tucker Carlson, before there was a Galanis, Smirnoff, any one of these guys, the person at the very forefront of all of it, of all of it, was Miranda Devine. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I think uh, it was either Miranda or Maria who said it best yesterday. This will die in the Senate in all likelihood. So as I've told Miranda a lot over the last couple of years, the frustration for me is there's never any repercussions, especially for Democrats. It's just not. And I do believe this is another one of those cases. But, but that doesn't mean Miranda should not be celebrated for doing incredible investigative work, which now, whether it's Devin Archer or, like I said, Bobolinsky or a host of others are telling the same story Miranda did years ago. So with that said, here she is, Miranda Devine. Miranda, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm great, and uh, you are great. Like I said, you're at the very forefront of all of this. So Wednesday, they'll depose them. And uh, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, you've been talking about for years. So for you personally, are you getting some gratification that a lot of these folks have uh, come to see the light? Yeah, and look, I think you have to say that a lot of that is owed to um, the whistleblowers that have come forward, particularly the IRS whistleblowers, um, who just could no longer sit back and watch as, um, you know, David Weiss and the prosecutors there in Delaware just kept on giving Hunter favours and uh, treatment that no other taxpayer would get, um, and they just thought it was wrong. So they came forward, and that they've still been retaliated against. You know, it's been extremely hard for them. And then also you have to pay tribute. I never do this to politicians, but, you know, James Comer there in the Oversight Committee um, against a lot of heavy weather, a lot of criticism and attacks from, um, you know, the, the Democrats, of course, and Hunter Biden's deep-pocketed friends who've been doing a lot of oppo research, um, trying to destroy his life in his hometown um, in Kentucky, but to no avail. Um, but, uh, you know, also his own side. I mean, the Republicans in the House are so narrowly um, divided. You know, they have just such a tiny wafer of a, of a majority. And there are those there like Ken Buck, and a couple of others who remain nameless, who are just so intent on their own virtue and virtue signaling that they're no help at all. And so, you know, you don't even know if there's the votes there at the moment to even go from an impeachment inquiry to an impeachment. And I know you say it's going to die in the Senate, but um, of course, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I think... I think it's important to have that sort of um, at least even a symbolic step and Agreed. a step that in history yep. is still yep. significant. And and also it just shows that Joe Biden is, um, you know, has, has some charges to answer, at least on ethics, even if he can't ever get charged in the real way. 
I agree with you, and uh, so does Steve Bannon, who was just on with me moments ago. Uh, here's the column, Miranda Devine, most uh, recently. New election year means today means another Russiagate as Biden Dems try to smear this impeachment probe. So what do you think uh, happens on Wednesday? Where do you think Comer, Jordan, all those House Republicans really dig into into Hunter Biden? Where do they start? Look, he's going to orchestrate the whole thing. He's got a team of very expensive lawyers and they will have workshopped his opening statement. It'll get leaked to the Democrats and then all the friendly media will run it. And it will all be, woe is me, Uh, you know, I'm an addict, Uh, I've had tragedy, my poor father, they're trying to get at him through me, Um, you know, etc. Total self-justification. And then... When they try and ask him questions, he'll just kind of, I mean, he sort of would have to be nuts not to plead the fifth um, or, you know, effectively not answer because he has two court cases going. He's uh, facing the gun charges in Delaware and the tax charges in California. So, you know, quite within his rights not to answer questions that might incriminate him. There's a lot of money, Miranda Devine, that he's received, that Jimmy's received, and that the big guy who you told us about very, very early on was Joe has received two uh, payments of up to $5 million, uh, more than one country involved. I heard Mike Pompeo talking yesterday about a Porsche that Hunter got from Kazakhstan, a couple of diamonds from Russia, including the mayor of Moscow's wife. So all those things, I think, will come up on Wednesday, I guess, and all those things do need some type of explanation. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. I mean, the the money that's flowed through from uh, countries that are corrupt around the world, I mean, they haven't got their money from, you know, England or Germany. It's from Kazakhstan and Romania and Ukraine and Russia and China. Um, And, you know, that we have been able to, or James Comer's committee has been able to trace from the bank records is $14 million uh, at least to Hunter and something like 20 million all up to him and his associates. And that's for providing zero services and zero products. It's just Joe Biden. And Joe Biden lied when he told everybody that he knew nothing about Hunter's overseas business dealings because um, we just keep on seeing Jason Galanis, you mentioned, is the latest who talks about Joe going on the speakerphone with Hunter when Hunter's with his um, foreign benefactors. The, the other, uh, Jason Galanis said the other day, it was um, the Russians, Elena Baturina, who ended up giving, well, that we, that we know of, $3.5 million uh, to the company that Hunter and his partner, Devon Archer, had. I think it was much more than that, ultimately. But $3.5 million, and a couple of months later, um, Hunter puts her on the speakerphone in this Russian restaurant in Brooklyn uh, and says, uh, hey, Dad, you know, these are the people that I told you were coming to town. Say hello. <laughs> Jeez. Now, we know, but it goes above and beyond even uh, Joe hopping on the phone or being at a meeting. As you talked about with Maria yesterday, put him on the board. Put him on the board. They wanted Joe yeah. Biden on the board of all these companies. But in terms of Galanis, does he not lose well, I shouldn't say that. The Democrats are going to laugh at anything Delanis says because Miranda, he's in prison. 
<laughs> I know. They, that's what they're doing already. And they say, oh, you can't take, you know, a convicted felon's name. And it's just typical of the Republicans there scraping the bottom of the barrel. These are the people that were Hunter Biden's associates. He was surrounded by shady people. Um, you know, most of the people that he did business with are either in jail, dead or missing. So, you know, that's kind of what happens when you look at criminal enterprises. Um, most of the people end up meeting a sticky end. Um, in, in this case, with Hunter Biden and all the millions of dollars that he was uh, gifted from all these lovely friends, um, you know, he's almost the only man standing. He really is. Uh, tell me about Alexander Smirnov, too. This is another character in this in this play, which is not a play. It's real life, but it's, it's almost uh, coming out as a play here. Uh, Alexander Smirnov, tell me about him. Well, he's been an FBI informant for 13 years, a confidential human source, and he has provided... Uh, clearly some pretty valuable information because uh, in, in his indictment, where he's been indicted for making false statements to the FBI, um, it says, uh, you know, how many, at least a couple of times a year for the, for the last 13 years, he's given evidence that's resulted in court cases that he may have to testify in. So he's been pretty valuable. And now, uh, because he's the mysterious informant who um, told, uh, well, told us, told the world um, about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, allegedly these allegations. No, no, Miranda, come back to me, baby. Come on. I think she's gone. Oh. Okay, we'll take a short break, maybe come back and wrap that one up. More of Sid and Friends in the morning on a Monday right after this. Seventy-seven WABC. I look at you, see the love, the 
when I went to Israel, they uh, Yehuda put on my phone. There's a little button at the bottom of my um, my keyboard here, and it's like a globe, you know. And with my fat finger, I make so many mistakes lately when I'm trying to text up. I hit the wrong emoji. I hit the wrong letter. That could be dangerous. Yeah, uh, no kidding. So, <laughs> yes, that's the point of my story. So when I hit the globe, though, not dangerous. When I hit the globe at the bottom of my screen, uh, Hebrew comes up. Hebrew. So, like, I'll start texting somebody, and I'll notice a it starts at the right, not at the left, because Hebrew goes right to left. Oh, it goes right. That's interesting. Yeah. And then it's Hebrew letters. I'm like, no, that's not what I wanted to say. So. <laughs> I was just texting Keith Kantrowitz, and I texted him a bunch of Hebrew letters. And... <laughs> so is it possible you could text something that's very not good? Not really. Okay. Not really. Well, how is, why? Do you know what you're texting? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, mean so I, I know a little bit of Hebrew, but, okay. you know, it's, you'd have to text like a whole bunch of stuff. I right. don't know. Okay, one of the days your phone's going to fall on the floor. <laughs> Gnome's going to pick it up and say, you sure you want to text? Are you sure this is what you want to say? <laughs> no, me <laughs> you sure about this? Play this uh, sliced alone cut again. I've got a great response from the governor's wife. Go ahead, play it. After long, hard consideration, your mother and I have decided it's time to move on and leave the state of California permanently, and we're going to go to Florida. We're going to sell this house. What? What? Yep. Is this a joke? It's not a joke at all. Full time. No L.A. time. Full time. We already have the place. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. So here's what Corey DeSantis says, the, uh, the governor's wife. Hey, Sly, welcome to the free state of Florida. In addition to respecting and protecting your God-given constitutional right to be free, you can also buy toothpaste without having an armed guard in CVS unlock it for you. You got to love that. I mean, just try to go shopping these days in New York. You can't do it in less than an hour because, like, like she says there, DeSantis, you got to have somebody come unlock the damn thing, and they never come. You stand there, you hit that button, you're in the aisle for like an hour. Like an hour. And you keep hearing the same recording over and over again. Help needed in the deodorant section. Help needed in the toothpaste section. And you hear it like ten times. And you're still standing there. And then eventually some guy or girl starts walking over like they have all the time in the world, you know. What you do they care? think it's an inconvenience, yeah. but and I'm like, store, uh, dude. Can I get that one? They're like, which one? I'm like, I just... I just want that one, that that deodorant or that toothpaste, and it becomes oh, a hassle. Oh, forget yeah. it. It's like you're going into a cave looking yeah, for the basically a, for a ra- well, the razors have always been locked oh, up. Oh, the worst. Oh, th- those have always been locked up, yes. But yeah. now we're at the point where really silly stuff. It's ridiculous. Body wash, toothpaste. Tissues. Can't get to it. Yeah, yeah it's stupid. everything. <laughs> Terrible. All right. We'll take uh, one more break. We'll come back and wrap things up. It's been a great Monday show. Sid and friends in the morning. We'll be back.
Oi! This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. But lately something's changed. It ain't hard to define. Jesse's got himself a girl, and I wanna make her mine. And she's watching me with those eyes. And she's loving with that body. I just know it. Yeah, he's holding her in his arms late, late at night. You know I wish that I had Jesse's girl. The Springfield Jesse's girl. Wrapping things up here, great show today. Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa, Maria Bartiromo, John Katsimatidi, Steve Bannon, Miranda Devine. I think Mark Levin, the great one, will be here tomorrow. And we did get confirmation on Friday, President Trump will be on this program. What is that date again? Tuesday, the is it the 19th? I yeah. believe it is. Yes. March, right? Yeah, that's yes. Yes. It's 19th. Tuesday, uh, two weeks away, Tuesday, March the 19th at 8.30 a.m., President Trump scheduled wow. to be back on the show. We better bring some towels in for tomorrow and for <laughs> March. And Got a lot going on, baby. A couple of mops. I'll be at uh, Mar-a-Lago the week before hanging out with Trump, and then Trump will be on the show Tuesday, March 19th at 8.30 a.m.